0: Welcome everyone to episode 10 of the Elden Ring podcast. I am joined by, let's start with our newcomer, Leyland. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Doing well. Uh, So uh, grateful and honored to be here. Um, Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Leyland, how are you feeling?
1: Again, uh, (laughs) just so honored, baffled by this opportunity, Um, and just super excited to talk with you guys about Souls and Elden Ring and all the above so yeah just grateful to be here love you guys this is awesome just so
2: stoked <laughs> be honest on a scale from dark souls 2 to bloodborne how much did you miss me
0: oh dude i said this and i mean i think we were talking it was a lot, a lot of just riffing but i was saying bloodborne 2 levels of missing you like that's like <laughs> even more, like it, it's wow that's what i mean brother like so <laughs> like you as we all know bloodborne 2 like needs to exist it just it follows the, that that. I- yeah, I mean, I believe so. I believe so. Uh, yeah. But if okay, uh, the oh second- no, are
2: we turning this into a Bloodborne two podcast? No. Oh no! <laughs> no,
0: no, no,
2: none of that. None of that. It's happening.
0: That's, that's no, it isn't, Leyland. It's all good. Um, but so,
2: well, Albert, I- do you have like a YouTube thumbnail ready to go with you putting up like a peace sign with like an outline, and it says like Bloodborne two, and there's a big question mark,
3: and
2: oh, yeah. like, oh yeah, whole no plan, dude, at the ready. Leyland has like a curious index finger by his mouth, like, oh, I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. No nah, man. Um, so that's if we enter the Bloodborne two area of things. But again, I want to read the room and vibe the room. Uh, but secondarily to that, it's obviously Elden Ring and Leland from the previous episodes. You know, um, mm-hmm. the I I'm, I just I, I always admire when an artist uh, not only outdoes themselves, but but has a crack at doing the be all end all of 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 their over and then like surpassing that as well. And many people consider that. For, you know, Kojima with um, uh, Metal Gear 5, like it's like everything you were able to sort of see bits and bobs of each one in it. Uh, there were people who were bringing up certain uh, shots from the uh, Elden Ring trailer and actually saying that area is based on Sekiro. That area is based on Yanam That area is based on Lothric. And you can just like pellet wise, features wise, like so coming around back to just yeah expressing that to you t it's like mm-hmm. that's the vibe with with uh, with me and like realizing with the show with with kyle which was amazing it was good it was like a catch-up with him and i got really existential it was, it's what we always do but there's no elden ring podcast without Terra pop like i hope you know that and that's why the all-encompassing gratitude for this fucking human being right here and i bring you Leland into that too your t t your l lylan and the vibes <laughs> they're, they're good they're kindred and they're fucking tarnished. Am I right? Fucking tarnished. Totally tarnished. Totally tarnished.
1: Absolutely. Leyland
0: just developed some new merch for us just then. We're going to have Totally Tarnished. All right. Totally
1: Tarnished. There, there we go. That. That's on good.
0: The Australian TV show Totally Wild, the same logo. So <laughs> there you go. Segments. Uh, and also, I have to because it was in the pre show. Uh, the whole show from now on, no tech issues. Smooth sailing from here on out. Mm-hmm. do age go,
2: excellent. We know yeah, issues around here. What are yeah. you talking about? None of that.
0: Laylin, uh, use the power of the editing. Click. What do you want to cut to? Go. Anything. Go. Go. go.
1: Yeah. Um, let's cut to. I don't know. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> um, gundeer's theme OST okay. right here. Boom. Boom.
0: Excellent. Okay. Ooh, perfect. That's very oh very nice. I, I like that mood. Hey, At you see how I did that in the edit with like the levels, the different music. Come on, man. Well That's done, to Albert. But um, so love and light to all of you tuning in uh, to this to the to the always. We say this of every show, the good vibes cast always. And uh, if you're familiar, well, Albert,
2: I, I don't remember where we kind of oh. jumped on, where we jumped well, off. But just as a maybe, I'm repeating myself. But no, I, I was just sharing that, like. Leland and I, we just sort of incidentally connected online and I had no idea, you know, this guy who's known for being a pretty serious shiny hunter and Pokemon games has a really wide ranging taste in games, which I feel like it's odd. People are sometimes suspicious of that, you know, like you're supposed to have this one lane and you stick to it and that's what you do. And I kind of reject that. It's like, who you know that's not really anybody like we most of us have really diverse tastes and it was cool talking to Leland about it. it's like oh yeah like I like Mario games I like Animal Crossing I like Dark Souls I like and like that's not ironic like you can enjoy mm-hmm. Animal Crossing and you can also enjoy Dark Souls 3 like that's cool and and Leland you just have this cool really chill vibe on your Twitch stream you're relaxed you're just you're friendly I mean I just I, I like the vibe uh I'm just curious how you got streaming like, is that a, Albert, is that a fair place to start? Just wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's go into it. Picking Leland's brain on how he got started doing that. Cause streaming is kind of a funny thing, right? Like, just putting yourself out there. And it's like, I'm not just playing this game, I'm playing this game with an audience, even if it's a small audience. Mm-hmm. I'm playing this game live. You're kind of putting yourself out there.
1: Yeah. I, I'd always like kind of wanted to get into the streaming realm of things. And I just decided one day to pick up a capture card. And just to do it, and I knew I had a little bit of a following just through shiny hunting, through shiny Cherim. I had this Instagram where I posted a lot of my different shiny hunts. And so that's why I just, boom, my Twitch channel, that's going to be shiny charum. We're just going to go with that. Started streaming some different shiny hunts. And I started to realize what you were saying, Tara. Um, You know, there's many different, like, things that I like as far as gaming and I kind of want to branch out a little bit. So I started streaming, um, like I just played through wind waker on stream. Um, and yeah, Mario golf, the new super rush game is super fun. And having the love for souls that I do, I, I just knew I had to get into that too. Um, so yeah, right now I'm in like a weird spot with like the branding of my channel being shiny cherim. It seems kind of exclusive to shiny hunting. Um, but I think, you know, that, that'll that'll come. I just started in January. So, you know, it's slow progress, even just building my stream, building my setup, all that. Um, it's just been a lot of fun to learn about streaming and, you know, just to get started here.
0: Um, Ch- Shiny, for what it's worth, I, I didn't even realize that there was a Pokemon angle to it. Frankly, Shiny Cherim. Mm-hmm. Cherim, first of all, gives me vibes of a Miyazaki name. This isn't like... Uh, you know hyperbole or anything it's it, mm-hmm. like charim karim you know it weirdly like right. it's like you could easily uh adapt that into like in terms of like maybe like a logo a network of wide logo something that incorporated both like a like a shield for example that evokes shininess and then the shields heraldry like has a mixture of like pokemon from software Da 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 i'm a graphic right. artist these things sort of just come to me uh in terms of your vibe and i reckon you could have an angle where there is the, there is an acknowledgement of both because i would say bandwidth wise we're talking um what wins out actually dominant is it is it the from soft or is it the pokemon for you i think you, I, d- just because I, you're not eldering podcast you don't have to say like r-
1: <laughs> right well I, i've been really considering this for a while now um and it's a pretty like even balance, I'd say. Um, I've, I've always had a very strong connection to Pokemon. It was like the first game series I really got into. Um, but over the past few years, I've really built this very deep bond with the Souls Series and Miyazaki, everything Miyazaki. That's really. Good. And as far as like what I want to stream, I think it'll be a pretty pretty fair balance between the two, um, as well as some you know other other stuff in there so rad the
0: um i'm gonna actually say something just about pokemon arceus which i'm very fucking looking forward mm-hmm. to. um mm-hmm. we spoke with uh we just did the zelda podcast with abby who's a big pokemon person and we've already set up to actually talk about when arceus is happening can i get you on for that one is that cool absolutely
1: 100 i'm already there totally with you
0: done brother fuck yeah <laughs> the Pokemon podcast man and and I actually want to open this up to Tara who I, him and I have riffed, at, have riffed about it and like um we talk about entry entry points and your amazing segment earlier which was like fully recorded and it's all good about the different kinds of Pokemon people um I am and I don't think this is a stretch to say I'm in a very thin uh, of that pie chart like I fucking played, I'm not kidding, on the Zelda podcast, uh, there's a Giorgiovanni segment, which is he did the Italian theme song for Pokemon. Like I'm fucking mm. hardcore from like the 90s, I, original 150, like I was had the sticker book and everything. But I drifted, Terra. I drifted the fuck away because of just there was just so much that sort of that influx based on the success of the 90s show. Um, drifted away, and then guess what the fuck brought me in? I don't have it like immediately here, but you are you aware of the art of RJ Palmer, um, uh, Shiny, uh, Leyland? Mm, he I'm does, not, no. I'm flashing it right now on the screen. It is, uh, he does anatomically correct Pokemon, like he looks at like paleontological records for like skull matches and stuff oh and yeah
1: i've i've totally seen some of these i'm pulling yeah, it up right now exactly he's created incredible it's so Terra, cool. if
0: you did want to do an off-camera whatever google it's cool so rj palmer and instantly the idea of like open world let's go like obviously arceus isn't going to be completely like photoreal or whatever but rj did this amazing new two which there could be an entire RPG oh. just about that. It's fucking insane. Like, gnarly and scary and frightening. Terrifying
1: uh, looking.
3: Truly. Yeah, yeah I mean, either.
2: isn't there... I mean, I think, Albert, as you know, I haven't... I don't think I've touched a Pokemon game in, like, 10 years. But okay. isn't there... Uh, I, thought, I thought I've seen a book, though. Like, a realistic Pokemon oh, book. Well, Does that exist? Not this guy?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Let me see if I can find it. Because... There are also the
2: Eclecticast. Let's see if I can find it within a reasonable time frame. Uh, okay. Don't fall into a portal to Narnia over there.
0: No, that's okay. So the the fates didn't smile on me with, you know, because I don't know if you know about this, Leyland, and if you saw, but on the night of the Elden Ring trailer, my bookcase collapsed uh so shattered oh, no. by someone or something it literally just collapsed because i just have a lot of art books um and so i had to mitigate like my bookcase no longer existing and then like preparing for the sgf stream and everything um mm. but no uh tara just you can yeah google it yeah. he's great i've actually um he's sent me some signed books like i bought them and stuff and um believe believe it or not there are some creatures um especially because we do the god of war podcast too there's we have a um Stephen Oakley. Uh, he also does realistic, very fucking scary Pokemon. And I just hope that um, the Pokemon company get their epic Mickey on at one point and say, just give the reins to someone for like a super dark, realistic Pokemon game. And the reason why is like, um, not only this, what is, I mean, Leyland, it has already been in the headlines, uh, Elden Ring's Pokemon-like spirits mechanic. So that's right. You have your arrival uh, and the sort of fusion of these two worlds of shiny trim has been presaged, frankly. Uh, I guess that leads me. We'll do a round table on that. Um, We've talked about spirits and this thing of the collectible Mm -hmm. spirits or whatever. What's your vibe on that um, being from these two worlds as you are?
1: Well, I'm definitely going to be catching them all. (laughs) Uh, It had to be said. Yes. Um, And yeah, I'm very, very interested to see how they, incorporated into both pvp as well as pve um i know in the trailer we saw it it seemed more of like a pvp style or it was pve i guess because it was them summoning the spirits into a fight against what appeared to be like a pve enemy yeah. um so i'm i guess i'm curious to see how it comes into pvp if they're if you can readily summon them or if there's a limit uh when it comes to you know, you're, the people you have summoned in um, for your phantoms, um, as well as having the spirits in combat as well. It. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of combine within that combat spectrum
0: totally a, a little mini uh, bracket before i throw it to tara on the same topic even though we have talked about it quite a bit buddy is um so we're talking we don't know what these spirits will look like um but for a bit of fun um i don't know if you've uh, in the meantime looked up a bit of rj palmer's art uh tara off screen just on google mm-hmm. You have? Okay, see so, so there you go. So that is my current, like, main inlet. Like, and I also enjoyed, you know, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. It was fun. It reminded me of, like, Dick Tracy and, like, Roger Rabbit. Like, it, was, it had some cool vibes with that. I think they leaned into that a bit. But um, I'm going to flash on the screen now some amazing artwork, which I want you both to look up. It is uh, Sesame Street, but in Bloodborne style.
1: Oh, right? gosh.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and all I want you to recognize is that there is like in terms of cutesy and then that line that blurs into terrifying like you can take any fucking pokemon and miyazaki it, and it would fucking fit in elden ring like like some of this the licky tongue and shit like that's a miyazaki as fuck you saw the the, uh, the demon of hatred and all, all this fucking and not demon of hatred mm-hmm. uh, demon of song or whatever yeah like it it's yep. fucking like like you, there's more in common between the two than you might initially think in terms of sheer weirdness like and so then, this is my call out to that bloodborne Sesame Street artist. First of mm-hmm. all, jump on the show. We love you. Um, and then I give you an art challenge. Now is like go through as many Pokemon as you want, and just do the Miyazaki enemy version of that. Right? Give me fuck, uh, Mister Pokemon Man. Give me a, a, an enemy, and this will probably come to you very quickly. Give me a Pokemon that would look work fucking perfectly. Handing it to the From Software art team and saying, "Do the art." Do the fucking FromSoft version of that. Go.
1: Okay. Immediately I'm thinking of Gothitelle. Fuck. Um, because you, you could do Gothitelle up. in I'm I'm thinking Bloodborne. You could yeah, do like a Bloodborne style, I don't know, Gothic kind of too. you could even do like um I'm thinking of Dark Beast Parl in particular, that like very intense. Oh my god. A lot, the, a lot of the imagery I saw in their art for the Sesame Street. Uh, sp- specifically, the Oscar the Grouch one looks almost identical yeah, to uh, Parle. This so... shit,
0: listeners. If you're watching, come on. Like, yeah. with, with, with very, I'm just going to say, I'm like kind of breast looking app- appendages. I'll just say it. Imagine <laughs> doing some crazy shit with like, and those tendrils as well, some moon presence shit. Come on. Let's not fuck around mm-hmm. people. Like, and that's an actual art challenge. And if you heard this, followed it, did it, my fucking god not only are you gonna be on the goddamn next show that would be fucking rad <laughs> i love that power of podcasts to like you go on a tangent and then suddenly there's some artwork of this thing that a bunch of people discuss but um terra obviously i know you're not in that sphere of pokemon too much has any of what me and uh, me and uh, shiny been riffing about in terms of that that blur over possibly piqued your interest for pokemon arceus which is set in the feudal japan prior to like the whole fucking super poppy like typical Pokemon shit, and it's actually gonna explore the origins. It's gonna be this big open breath of the wild style open world. Is that even have we have we won you over the tinsiest bit in that Pokemon sphere, Terra?
2: <clears throat> well probably not. Okay. Probably get it. I love it. <laughs> but hey, I think that <laughs> was- I'll be honest, fair enough. I that probably was- will try. not touch
0: that game. They're, love and light to you, buddy. No worries at all. And here's my thing, and I'll just throw this back to Layton real quick. But I, I i
2: will say though, if 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 there were Pokemon out there that looked like the Bloodstar Beast, I'd probably start picking up some Pokemon games. My fucking <laughs> exactly.
0: So makers of Pokemon, listen to the terrors of of the world. Like, give the license over to fucking, if not from software, like someone and just like. Do that. Come on. Like there's the fucking RJ Palmer crowd. Like, let's just fucking go. A lot of um, people might be like, yeah, you guys are fucking crazy. And this is a waste of time. It's like, you know what? They once said that insert cause was a waste of time, but then they kept at it. And then it became a thing. <laughs> Come on, man. So that's well, one Albert, the- you
2: know, you know, like me and just kind of the way my brain works with games. Like there's a lot of games out there games whose art styles i really enjoy or whose music i really enjoy but for me if i can't really get my arms around that minute to minute like yeah. gameplay or combat gameplay i i just can't sit with the game you know so like for that reason alone i just don't have like that right temperament at this point in my life to play turn-based pokemon but i'm not like I mean, you know how I am. It's like, it's take it or leave it, right? Like, I'm not Mm going to pick up the new Pokemon game, but I'm also not judging anybody else who is. Like, I don't. Totally. um, But but see, that's the thing, man. Like, when I was younger, um, you know, I played, like, Final Fantasy and stuff. And, like, I I just can't now, you know? And it's not even like, oh, I hate Final Fantasy or Final Fantasy sucks. I, just my sensibilities, my temperament at this point in my life, I can't sit down and enjoy and enjoy the minute to minute gameplay in those games, but like I still have fond memories of like the Final Fantasy X soundtrack and stuff. You know what I mean? So that's that's like how I approach, you know, Final yeah. Fantasy Pokemon, a lot of these franchises.
0: And here's the thing about what I just want listeners and viewers to just really acknowledge is like with Terra, there's a sense of having cultivated an ability to love and let love you know what i mean i dig that man which is you know with your horizon video by the way which cut to a little clip now right as you saw tara was mentioning like a lot of aspects that he resonates with like colorado it's where he's from all this beautiful love letter but he openly and like in full honor of his own like honoring what he truly feels and then like what is good and what it didn't naturally resonate with. Cause it's like, no, never, you should, no one should ever force themselves to resonate with with anything. It should just be whatever comes natural. And you mentioned that the gameplay just didn't really like the click wheel. It's just not your thing. And like right. the, the ability as you, as we riff about to say like love and light, you know, comes back to like what we would love to see more of. Um, and I would love to see it reflected in Terra's community and Leyland's community and ours, just to have that sense of let's start, really signal boosting that attitude because we do tend to tribalize and like judge and Tara, that was textbook, like fucking triple a how to like vibe with people who's uh, who, who are in a different kind of, um, you know, like they, they, they dig slightly different things to you in certain different angles, and you there is, like, that respectful sense of non-judgmental, like, you go, like, have fun, you know? Like, mm-hmm. shout the fuck out to you, man. That's really great. We can't take it for Well, grand. and
2: yeah, in Horizon, mm-hmm. Albert, I mean, that's, like, the perfect example is, uh, I mean, I yeah, I just don't like the combat gameplay, but I still enjoyed my journey through that game, you know, because I, and it was an, it definitely an exception to that role for me, but like I, the world design, it was, you know, that game, I think a lot of people don't understand is a love letter to the American West, which is where I'm from. And like, I just appreciated that on such a deep level mm-hmm. with that game that like, I was able to grab onto that and the music and the atmosphere. And it's like, Hey, I don't love the combat, but I can still have fun with this game for like 40 hours. Yeah. So, and, and, and if I, yeah, like something like uh, final fantasy, like, I'm just not quite that, you know, like it, it lacks those elements for me. Like the the horizon was pretty close to my heart and like Final Fantasy 15 or something. Like I'm, there's just not that connection there, but that doesn't mean I'm like vilifying people who are having fun with the game. Like I don't care. That's fine.
0: I love that. That's so rad. And please keep being that way. Leyland. That's like, like a that.
2: weird radical view. Like that, right? It's, it's like how You're yeah. supposed to think about games and and i just want to say like on that albert your train of thought earlier about uh you know leland's uh platform Mm. like i dig it man and i don't see an issue with the name at all because if your platform Mm. name was like souls master or something i would cringe i would probably (laughs) (laughs) tune out but the very fact that your platform is shiny Cherum, but you're streaming Mm. dark souls 3 like that's immediately interesting to me you follow like
1: yeah totally I guess, yeah, I just have to think of a way of, I don't know, like, accepting that. And Because in my mind, Shiny Cherim immediately, I go to Shiny hunting.
0: Well, Cherim, um, is Cherim, like, a name of a Pokemon or something? But well, what is it? Yeah, yeah, oh, so is
1: a Pokemon. So oh, it's literally, like, uh-huh. Shiny Pokemon. Well, I just. Um, but I like what you were saying, Albert, about, like, you know, Cherim, Karim, what? Shiny being, like, in essence of... You know. In
0: fact, I want this to be uh, the launching of a prophecy, uh, which we are going to cut to this clip many years hence. Um, as we know, there's a figure in our community whose name has nothing to do with the channel that he runs. Uh, and I'll just say it, it's Vati. Like, Vati is a character from Zelda. Completely unrelated. It's this oh yeah no, unspoken right. thing. Right. And I would say, you know, on the objective scale of things... Uh, he has done pretty well (laughs) his channel Mm -hmm. uh, despite having a name that has nothing to do with um his uh, so shiny i think you're sorted and uh yeah we'll see you in 2024 when it's like shiny cherim and you'll have the the cherim (laughs) silhouette with like a cherim wearing souls armor and shit like fuck
2: yeah fuck yeah and and, leland can i ask you like before we dive more into like elden ring and stuff just to quickly describe what shiny hunting is for anybody who doesn't know. And I think I asked you about this on your stream one day too, but I was thinking about it and I was like, I wonder if all this shiny hunting over the years has actually kind of primed or conditioned Leland to be like patient and have that right kind of temperament to enjoy the Souls game. So kind of two questions there, but can you get into that a little bit?
1: Right. Totally. Yeah. When you mentioned that it like, I'd never thought of it that way before, but it's, it's definitely true. So shiny hunting is basically there's like a certain percent chance of finding a shiny Pokemon, which is a different color variant of a specific Pokemon. Um, In the more recent games, it's like a one in 4,000 chance. So it's super low. You spend hours and hours, days upon days. Like one of the hunts I have going right now is from HeartGold, SoulSilver. So like an older title. And the odds are about one in 8,000. And I started that hunt in October (laughs) I've still been it's been on and off but like yeah it's a lot of time dedication and it's a lot of not getting what you want you know and there's a lot of that in souls where you just gotta get used to dying like it's just a part of the game you gotta adapt this relentless attitude or just so yeah there's a definite correlation between shiny hunting and just progressing through A Souls game, a Miyazaki game
2: Right, well and Albert, what do you think About this, because like as Leland Describes that, it makes me Feel like that process is probably not I mean it it of course is different But it feels like it's not entirely Dissimilar to like Certain, I don't know, maybe like speed runs Or challenge runs in Souls games Like it's, uh, like, that's a pretty unique way to be engaging with those Pokemon games.
0: Uh, well, as you both did, I honestly couldn't have expected anything less from kindred people such as yourselves. What you just demonstrated is the finding of very clear and objectively definable, like, common ground. Like, if more people just were able to, you know, bridge those gaps, is like, by the way, like, we have mm-hmm. wildly disparate art, just art styles, demographics, but the thing we share in common is just that, grind you know uh and the reward mm. you know uh of of both which is wonderful and and uh i i said this um i i was talking about this uh on another episode is uh pop boy is like adorable like pop boy could straight up be a pokemon like like that um but yeah and but more specifically to the point you were you were saying Tara is like um absolutely not entirely dissimilar at all and the it's just the, diff- the 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 difference really is um yeah I, I think there's what's interesting is like i think that the Pokemon community uh, has you know the the Muzaki community could learn a little bit more like i wonder if we we aren't too far off from like something where we can have like an AR app and and do a bit of you know i'll just pitch this to from software HQ if you're tuning in yeah uh, <laughs> um i would love for as you know uh you know souls is all about going into certain areas and finding certain lore notes and stuff uh a pokemon go style from so like a a companion app where we can go around the world and like find little lore notes and shit would be amazing and then like to have all the actual sound effects and stuff i mean the witch is getting one um i'm a huge advocate for uh like each of those communities have a lot to learn from 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 the other but yeah i hope i addressed your 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 question t definitely i i agree with you
2: by by proposing elden
0: ring the mobile game (laughs) like some interesting kind of like companion type thing which kind of taps into that you know i just i want the world for for elden ring and i am so my i've said this my my wanting the world for it is proportionate to how secure i am in the fact that i know that it will always stay niche like there was there will like the core as terror will attest the core of the of what souls games are is the gameplay it's it's it doesn't give a fuck about you like and as long as that stays intact which is the soul of miyazaki and the soul of souls if you will um, go as Pokemon-tastically with like some little side things as you like. I'd be so curious, you know, to sort of see like Potboy Hunt or something. I'm giving you guys some app ideas. Mm-hmm. Fucking, anything, <laughs> that, anything that actually ends up supporting the core untarnished, like artistic integrity of of Miyazaki and like enables him to continue what I think Elden Ring is emblematic of, which is Elden Ring is decisively a move with involving Miyazaki, sorry, Martin, to broaden like, he wouldn't have brought Martin on board without cognizance of, of that impact that it will have, which is, like, naturally, because of the Martin name, more people are going to be looking at Elden Ring. So I like where his head's at. He's in that idea of, like, retaining the integrity, but also making it sustainable. And I just... I think, Tara, I'm just going to fucking open round table. Is or is Miyazaki not one of the best fucking company people? Like, he's... Again, people, it's unthinkable. He's the creative director, writer, but he's also the fucking CEO, right? Of, of From Software, correct? Well, he's the,
2: pre- I think his title's president. President.
0: Yeah. He has an, an enormous executive power uh, in, in taking FromSoft in the direction it's going. Like that is something that is like categorically unloaded and like very, very few people talk about it, but he took a, a kind of a fla- you know flailing a bit around like company with Demon Souls, like not knowing he took the reins. Same with Kojima and Konami. They're very parallel in that way. And like sequel after, like like iteration after iteration of this formula, completely transformed and made FromSoft like a household name. So uh, a round table, I know it's impromptu, but Terra on Miyazaki's like business, like amazing balance of art and business sense. Go for it.
2: Well, I feel like Miyazaki is arguably the best example of a game director today who's straddling that line between, I guess for the sake of this conversation, let's call it fine art and commercial art. And let's say that fine art is something you're uh, you're expressing yourself, you're making something for you. Let's just put it that way. And commercial art is something you're creating for someone else, right? You're actually trying to please somebody with a product. And I feel like Miyazaki really walks that line. And we've been reminded of that recently. I think Albert, as you know, I have a video coming up on my channel in which I talk about, uh, you know, the continued absence of difficulty sliders and and from software games. And I mean, to me, that's him leaning a little bit into the fine art side, right? Like you just said, he's going a little commercial by bringing in Martin. Uh, adding more gameplay options to the game, hoping to net a slightly wider audience. I think that's the expectation with Elden Ring. But at the same time, he's just uncompromising and like, yeah, I just don't want difficulty sliders in my games. And that's not about being, um, you know, making the game inaccessible or unapproachable. It's not about um, excluding people uh, from this experience of the game, but he is an artist and that's his vision. And for that reason, I accept it. Just like if the day came when Miyazaki felt that uh, difficulty sliders gelled with his vision for a game, I would accept that. You know, I would, I would accept it. But at this point in time, he doesn't feel that way. Um, And I love that he actually has a spine, right? Like he really does have a unique vision um, and he's, he's confident in himself and his team and they just do what they want to do.
0: And yeah. And see how you're not wedded to the thing. you 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 are, you recognize that it is this, this issue of, of an artist and his art. Like that's where it begins and ends. Like this thing of, people trying to say, oh, this isn't what, it's like, no, no, you, you don't get to say what Miyazaki, could like because he will say that and he will do it, right? So he has these elements. Well,
2: of- and, and Albert, think about it. Like you and I both create visual art yeah. and I don't control your art and you no. don't control mine. So and if you not. didn't like something I made, like, oh well. And if I didn't like something you'd make, well, oh well, oh well right? Like if you're yeah. in a museum or a gallery and you don't like a certain piece on the wall, you go to the part of the gallery that uh, jibes with you a little bit more. Yeah. So that's the way I see it. And we always talk, Albert, I mean, you kind of start this conversation and Leland, I'd, I'd love to get you in on this too and just hear your mm-hmm. thoughts. But I mean, Albert, you're the first one to always, you know, remind us on the podcast, it's like video games are art, right? They're interactive mm. art. Yeah. And this is a maturing medium. And the directors of these games are artists. And again, they, they might be slightly more commercial artists, slightly more fine artists, but artists have unique visions and you don't have to love or not everybody's vision has to resonate with you. 1,000%.
0: 1,000%. And and I'll just r- bring up the parallel before I throw it to Leland on, you know, Miyazaki as businessman and creator, uh, that balance of art and commerce, and then also with this discussion of, uh, yeah, sliders and stuff. Uh, I'll, all I'll mention is, is, before I throw it to Leland, is just Last of Us Part 2. Like, Neil, uh, you know, he had it very much from the outset. That was his vision to make it an extremely accessible game. And, you know, the other side of what we're listening, it's not like the the anti-ableists or whatever like they came down and him was like why are you putting that would that would just smack of like what are you doing like this is this was his vision like they had and in fact it it won some awards for just that accessibility you know and that's like that was part of his vision um for that game specifically he wanted those features you know naughty
2: dog allocated developmental resources to that that was part of the mission like you're saying it didn't happen accidentally that was part of their vision for that game
0: Absolutely. And and to 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 come in and then also, yeah, this thing of telling people how to do their jobs and stuff or whatever, I'll just say this is like, please don't undervalue Miyazaki's ability, like like please don't devalue his intelligence. Like I'm sure he's aware of the discourse. He's and and yet, as we've seen, he hasn't made some statement because uh, if it was an issue where he said, actually, it is, thank you. And if this was like hypothetically Miyazaki going, actually, da-da-da, thank you. Actually, it's not crucial to my vision, da-da-da. And then Tara and I would have nothing to stand on because we would be like, actually, the artist themselves said that this is within their uh, scope, you know, of, of what they wanted their art to be. And so we follow that because we re- we, re- we respect the artist. Uh-huh. But he hasn't done that for a very specific reason, which we and not even have to interpret. Like we've heard him directly say it's like, yeah, I just you know like for me this is what these games are, you know, and um, yeah. So love and light, to, like you know what we've opened it up and up. We'll just we'll just mention names for the Tamuras, um, the the Corys. Like you each have wonderful things that you're genuinely incredible at, like in your media sphere and game development sphere. But and this comes from pure love and light, Tara and I. We keep it classy. Pure love and light is it just make sure you're not entering that narrative of this being a uh, a thing of withholding or a thing of scarcity on Miyazaki's part like at all like he's a very intelligent man Corey's actually met the man very intelligent he certainly wouldn't be doing this to ire anyone to alienate anyone it's just his vision right and so then please yeah as Tara is a wonderful advocate for it as I, as I'm sure Leland is is yeah don't um don't bring bad vibes to that kind of like like it's it's been said like don't be that person <laughs> at that at the party who's like who stops the vibe like to to get a point across it's like no 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 like read the room like that's Miyazaki and if he at some point changes his mind he will and just like vibe like good vibes you know so
3: yeah and it's like
2: who who who's yeah. not into like You know making games more accessible to people with vision or hearing impairments or like other disabilities like nobody i mean nobody in their right mind is against that like that's that's very cool but i think we just have to remember like with all uh mediums artistic mediums video games fall on a spectrum Right. There's very, very accessible games on one end. Uh, Most games fall somewhere in the middle. And then you have those more esoteric games on the other far end. And that's where from software, Soulsborne games fall. So it's it's not even surprising to me that the uh, I guess the the poster boy, the you know, the the main guy at that end of the spectrum is just not interested in putting difficulty sliders in his games like that doesn't surprise me. And Albert, like you said, we're just respecting that vision. And if that vision changes at some point, we'll respect the new vision
3: that's
0: all it is i see vibes diploma, diplomatic measured well-rounded it's how to be people like like you're saving yourself a lot of soul hurt um, by not trying to cling and like have any kind of intense vibes like don't do that like flow with what is real flow with what goes and like yeah good vibes and, and have thoughts of your own have it but then just don't let that go into any kinds of negativistic you know gatekeeping any of that so we keep the vibes vibey and, and lovely here so leyland We'll, we'll wind it all the way back um so Miyazaki mm-hmm. as and then we will dive into gathering the shards uh, part five I mm-hmm. believe Tara I think we're up to part five
2: yeah I believe we're going from the one minute mark to the one minute 15 mark today Ooh, right yeah pretty juicy pretty mm-hmm. juicy section Leland's uh got
0: yeah it's, it good a, today. it's a
1: good section
2: oh
0: yes oh yes indeed um as as our pre-sage uh just yeah uh, any your sort of Main riff on uh, Miyazaki in how he, as a businessman, which is something that isn't very discussed that widely, um, from software around, and then how he balanced that balances that with being, yeah, the prime creative force in the company as well. The individual,
1: right? Well, I think actually, from Tara's uh, one of his most recent videos where he analyzed the Miyazaki um interviews, he put it best as trust the track record, trust Miyazaki. Um, There were lots of conversations, even going into Sekiro, I think, about about the idea of them introducing, you know, difficulty sliders, which didn't happen, you know, like, we just have to trust in Miyazaki's vision. And I think he does so, like, truly, he truly believes in his games as, you know, the concepts um, of, you know, his art, as you guys put it. Um, Which I really appreciate about your analysis of Miyazaki is you're constantly referencing, you know, visual artists, sculptors, um, composers, like there's so much more to the universe that he develops. And he's just so invested in that. I think he's more so invested in his art form than he is in investing in modern gaming culture, you know, as as it is seen today, as it is, you know analyzed today by a lot of journalists um he's he's an artist through and through and I think yeah we just have to trust the track record trust Miyazaki 100 percent that's like
2: well and Leland don't you don't you feel like all the uh fixation which I I I think you're right that is more sort of gaming journalist talk I actually I mean Albert we've never had that topic come up on the podcast since I've joined like no one I, I don't know anybody in the community who's Seriously, talking about that on like a day-to-day basis, but Leland, Mm -hmm. don't you feel like if we just fixate on difficulty sliders, we actually are doing a disservice to like Yuka Kitamura's amazing scores and like the different architectural styles spanning the in-game buildings and you know just the general art direction and the amazing you know character and enemy designs. Like, aren't we kind of like just missing the point? Because of course, yeah, these games are anchored by the combat gameplay Mm -hmm. and and the difficulty and Uh, But that's not, I mean, if you took away those other elements, these would not be the games they are.
1: Yeah, Uh, 100%. Like, I can't imagine going into the Lothric and Lorien battle with that, the intense symphonics that are working behind that, the the setting, you know, all the visual elements, and then just going in there and one-shotting the boss, one or (laughs) two-shotting the boss. Like, you're just missing the whole point of it, it's just all immersive and to immerse yourself in the intensity of that scene of you being that protagonist in that setting, you know, to you just, you'd lose, you'd lose so much by not fully um, like, you know, connecting with the yeah. game's difficulty as it is set, because it's intentional to the rest of the art.
2: Extremely electric, yeah. man. Definitely. Albert, can I ask you about something? I have some, I actually have some t- some statistics I pulled yeah. off the PlayStation Network Perfect. for this uh, this video I have going up on my channel next week. And I feel like this is a good this is actually a good segue to get us into Elden Ring, because the conversation is about the upcoming game, right? We now know Elden mm-hmm. Ring, right? No difficulty sliders, kind of the same deal. Um because you're you've always been a champion of of like the uh I don't know, I don't know how to put it, but you you get. Miyazaki game design like you have always since the first time we talked like I could tell it's like oh this guy gets it like the empathy between the player and the game world and that you know you can learn lessons and real world resiliency from these games and like you've always talked a lot about that so I want to run these statistics by you and and Leland obviously feel free to chime in as well but Mm -hmm. I want to run these stats by you just because I just pulled them the other day and get your thoughts So, according to the PlayStation Network, as of present day, only 55% of players have beaten Ornstein and Smo in Dark Souls Remastered. Only 54% of players have beaten The Lost Sinner in Dark Souls 2 Scholar. Only... 53% 53% of players have beaten the Armor Spider in the Demon Souls remake. 51% of players have beaten Pontiff Sullivan in Dark Souls 3. Only 48% of players have beaten Lady Butterfly in Sekiro. And here's the, this is the juiciest one. Only 45% of players have beaten Father Gascoigne in Bloodborne. Now, these are really interesting statistics, but they certainly aren't an indication that From Software is prejudiced against people with disabilities. Like mm-hmm. these statistics simply remind us that From Software designs hard games, like some of the hardest games available in the market today. And, and Albert, I wanna like throw that to you a little bit, like that idea of like these games mirroring life you know, about forcing you to overcome adversity, uh, forcing you to grow as a human being. Sometimes it's about losing everything, thousands of valuable, hard earned blood echoes or souls and still finding that willpower to get up, dust yourself off and try one more time because, you know, deep down it's worth it. And, And I believe that in my heart, like there is that deep empathetic sort of artistic, intellectual, emotional lesson behind these games, yeah. and Miyazaki is such a true artist, he'd never come out and say that, right? He'd never spell yeah. that out to us. But because you know that's what he's yeah. doing, and that's why he's so stubborn on the difficulty sliders.
0: Yeah, he, he, he assumes intelligence on the audience's part, and he, ha- he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't feel like he has to or should um, need to spell it out completely. This isn't us being like the the Miyazaki Defense Army or anything. It's it very much is a question of you look at the ob- objective, the objective factors, which is how much of this difficulty aspect is at the core of the identity, not just of the gameplay features, but the identity of of these games is, is the difficulty. So it's like asking someone like Ferrari to like like make their models like like oh like a budget like like that's just not what ferrari it it feels mm-hmm. see it actually sounds obscene for me to talk about because like that's the market like that's the defining thing mm-hmm. of a ferrari is that it's fast and that it's inaccessible and then it, that it's ex, it's expensive and stuff and so you know i'm sure that they've all these companies that have this niche uh face uh the uh you know i think there's a i think there's a huge disservice i think a lot of people bandwagon on the back of um yeah, and I'm so sorry. Like it's it's true, sadly, that a lot of people take up certain banners inauthentically. Like some people have taken up the the a- um, able gamers banner inauthentically because it's not for them about the accessibility for them on behalf of this amazing, wonderful core to gaming community which we love. Like the um, the uh, differently able ability, totally. Like it's a community. Um, is that yeah? They they try and bandwagon behind it and 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 yeah like sublimate it and and frankly it's all about recognizing and and not yeah not insulting I, I will just say that not insulting the the intelligence and the the like he is Willy Wonka but but like he listens like he's it's not like he's completely ensconced in this uh ivory tower of you know la 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 I don't hear all these like he hears it and then he acknowledges and then gauges checks with himself it's like how much is this as in As important for me as to enter this arena because he does enter that arena by having sadly it would be better if he didn't ever feel like he he did because uh, it's something that these people it's like you and i tara it's obviously different realms different worlds but um we have certain principles as creators that um ensures that i will never do a fucking Kind of thumbnail like that. You know what I mean? Like, I would never ask that of myself. Uh, I would never want people to pressure me. I actually have opened up on the channel about how the consolidated, we did a couple of videos that I ended up in an algo prison. And like, that was the cost of me being inauthentic to myself. It cost me a lot. And it's very important to stay authentic to yourself, even if it pisses off a lot of people. And all you can do is kindly explain and kindly outline the objective factors and then move on you know so um and yeah so i mean that does kind of tee us up to uh to elden ring you know because it is it is the discussion that's going on now about elden ring and the fact that it's like well if you're getting martin involved does this mean it's going to be more easy it's like (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) um let me see we said this about bloodborne we said how are you picking up are you picking up on what we're putting down No and no and yes, no for Sekiro, absolutely not. Because a lot of you can look up the old headlines about Sekiro. Will it be easier? Hmm. It's like
3: Mm -hmm.
0: categorically, Sekiro is one of the most fucking difficult games. Like and that's well, and
2: and we're not talking about like Horizon Forbidden West or Halo Infinite shipping at the equivalent of new game plus seven here, right? Like we are talking about this, you know, weird studio making their weird, hard games. And like, yeah, they got Martin. And like, yeah, Elden Ring's gonna move that needle. Um, More people are gonna get into From Software And in my mind, that's a good thing. Like, you know, summonable spirits, more gameplay flexibility, being able to just, you know, gank everybody in the game with your online PvE group. Like, man, if that inspires somebody to go back to Bloodborne or DS3 when they didn't have that confidence before, because they were able to get to the credits in Elden Ring, I'm all for it, right? And yeah. I just feel like, and this is the last thing I'm going to say on this topic, but I just feel like the accessibility conversation yeah. and the approachability conversation are two different things. And this is one mm-hmm. of those instances in which we're squabbling over semantics and actually limited by our own language.
0: Yeah, that's true. 1000%. And I think you you really framed it perfectly eloquently and objectively like that's, I think... As clearly as it can be stated. So, love and light to you, bro, Um, Leyland. If you didn't have any extra little riffs on that one, I think us tarnished trio can uh, head off to the lands between. What do you say?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Tara wrapped that one up perfectly. Put it exactly. It's exactly how I feel. So let's, uh, yeah, let's get into it.
2: Let's get into it, folks. Nice little tarnished bow was put on that package one thousand percent man
1: precisely
0: <laughs>
2: all right well Oops. let's uh, yeah let's do it so albert do you want to go straight to the trailer then
0: well let us so basically what i have in front of me is now so Terra, i did check we are this is the episode it's called the shattering it is part five of gathering the shards and when when you know previously on gathering the shards um <laughs> we it was, we need like dragon ball
2: z level like oh, <laughs> oh.
0: well i want to say like obviously it was, it was kyle and i but the last time you and i were we were with zazuba speaking about it and um yes uh so I'll, I'll account for both so on both uh parts three and four um you know because zazuba part three kyle part four both of them had a lot that literally Leyland, you will find as we go into this uh next 15 second chunk There's just always something that you just hadn't noticed before. And for for Kyle, I'll give you a little preview for people who may, for some reason, be listening to this one before episode nine, which is, it's coming out um, soon. Uh, Literally a couple of minutes left on the the render, so fun times, is what we noticed was deep in this frame, which is gonna be, I think it's our last frame or one of the last frames of the previous one, there is something that is unmistakably an archway, a portal, and we, it may end up just being a bit of scenery, Leilan, but Kyle and I dived headlong into the idea of as you go along in this world, like you will be able to activate, you know, these these portals you can just ride through and it's like a teleportation. You know, you can ride and then you're in, you end up in another part of the map, you know, and then that could be a kind of interesting dynamic Miyazaki and, and in-world explainable because, again, this land was supposed to be this prosperous place with like probably teleportation portals like if it was that blessed by the golden you know by the golden grace like it had these magical portals that you could just run yakul through and maybe part of your journey is going through and reactivating them and uh and that and we just went on this whole thing again very much it could end up just being a broken archway but because of how like ensconced and buried it was and like distinctly Mm -hmm. archway like we just we had a, a wonderful field day of just like speculating you know so that one and then t uh, what was what was that moment for us with zazuba like the like when we were going going at that deliberate of a pace um do you remember like something we decisively noticed Hmm. it was a while ago well,
2: for, for me albert i think it was so if we're looking at that uh, you know the bandai namco what is it like two minute 59 second version of the of the mm-hmm. trailer yeah it's at about 38 seconds when we see that shattered tilted uh what appears to be temple of some kind yeah and albert it's when we were talking about how you can actually see you know either either wyverns or dragons uh flying around in the distance however so so we know this isn't like a moment frozen in time right this isn't like a screenshot this is you know a a live action shot however this temple does actually appear to be like suspended in time or something because these stones and these broken shards of these pillars and walls they're just suspended in midair like the mm. you know like we we were talking about that like have the laws that govern this universe like physically like the laws of physics you know gravity something in this in this universe have they been suspended or disrupted because of the shattering of the elden ring mm.
1: and i actually think i have a tie into that at a later point in our section mm. because there's a moment where there are figures in the scene that are still that I think are so yeah there are a lot of little details that are you can tell are intentional Mm -hmm. in here so I think there's a tie in in our section to that theory as well
0: speaking of our section Leyland where do we find ourselves timestamp wise it being part five of this three minute trailer dividing it into 12 second chunks where do we find ourselves timestamp wise
1: we are right at uh, the first minute Mm -hmm. number one
0: right there 0059 and it is the joust which is Mm -hmm. gonna be i firstly i just love that that at the exact 60 second mark there's this clashing of swords again it might create eye rolls but i think trailer editors are like criminally undersung amazing artists who have so many conditions impose on them which is turn this over really quickly and this just got approved put this together uh here's the only footage that's available to you here's this temp music and they have to throw together this thing that is inspiring that like makes people interested and this whole trailer is a fucking masterpiece of because we go at it we go it's just a giant trailer love fest really so hopefully we'll get maybe i don't know some of these unknown completely unsung trailer editors on some of these shows but if you're out there, if you know someone who knows someone who knows someone who edited the Elden Ring SGF trailer, <laughs> fucking jump on the show and we want to talk to you about like your process.
2: It's fucking incredible because literally at 60 seconds, it's literally slash. Yeah, it's the first bit of action we actually get in the mm-hmm. in the trailer. Right at the one minute, we we see uh, the mount, the spirit mount at 45 seconds, and then we get our first swing of the sword at 60. So,
0: right. me and my old school way of like, showing the showing the listeners until I get my, whatever, OBS or Streamlabs, whatever. So yeah, and yeah. I mean, frankly, like if we're going to do a round table on just this first shot, uh, Yakul continuously becomes more and more iconic to me the more artwork I see made of her. It's a her to me, I don't know, it's just a thing. Uh, the donkey horse, uh, Horns, as I call her. <laughs> I actually did a poll. Uh, don't be lazy, Albert, in the edit. Cut to the poll that I developed for what everyone's favorite name was. Some of the fucking comments in that poll, <laughs> like um, <laughs> you know, uh, bro pony, or like, it's like it's just it's an incredible poll. So I'll post a, a hyperlink to it. Please check it out. Um, yeah, and I just you know because she has horns and then she's a horse, so I said horns, h o r n s e. This is really dumb. It sounds like a fucking like a. Like a, like a tim and eric Sinko product or something but um but overall yeah i just i just um i the more i see Yakul, the more I, it, it hits me leyland i want to throw this to you of just how much mm-hmm. this mounted combat and the, the mount is going to be this people i think are maybe a little bit quasi sleeping on it because we ha- we're not used to it we're just used to these you know rolling and just being on our bipedal feet but i think miyazaki spent a lot of time uh with this because it is an open world that's going to be your main uh, like, traversal, and it's it's integral to the identity of Elden Ring, which, by association, makes Yakul integral to the identity of, like, your player character experience. So um, thoughts on Yakul, her iconicness, uh, Jousts. What do you reckon of Jousts, dude?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Yakul, obviously a total icon. I <laughs> cannot wait to bond with Yakul throughout my journey. Um, but, yeah, Mounted Combat is going to be such a game-changer. Um, here we obviously see what appears to be a great sword yeah. um, and it's just one slash from a great sword, but you just start to think of all the other different arm or er, like weapon classes that and what those movesets are going to be like. Um, I think at another point we see we can like vault off of Yakul and what some of those like ground attacks are going to be like with... Um, all the different weapons that we have it's it's just it's going to be a total game changer it's going to be incredible
0: absolutely totally i'll throw that to t go for it on just i guess jousts and yakul herself and uh uh how maybe we could possibly be just underestimating a teensy bit just how involved she'll be
2: and go for it well the non-player character approaching from the background Um, and that that first shot uh, we don't get a good look at Mm -hmm. who's on that other mount uh if that's i don't know if we're seeing pvp i don't know if that's just another mounted enemy in the game but it does not look like that uh, black horse has the you know build in the horns or the you know like that's not what we're riding which yeah. makes me think, you know, that scene where it appears that our our maiden is coming to us, maybe bringing Yakul to us. You know, that opening shot. I don't know, but I'm I, I agree. I think I think our mount there's special significance there. There's a reason why our mount doesn't look like the mounts we see, you know, in the throughout the rest of the trailer. And and I have to say too, I mean, just uh, seeing this you know mounted combat for the first time. We always talk about combat. On the podcast, but combat doesn't work without the great animation work that From Software does. And how mm-hmm. sick is this animation? This Leland, you mentioned that that great sword. He doesn't just hit the other guy with the great sword, he drags the great sword on the stone cobbled road, right? You see sparks mm-hmm. flying up, and then whew, yep. like I mean, that's like uh, a decapitation shot. It's absolutely, crazy.
0: Absolutely terrible. The animation's beautiful totally cut to uh liberi fatale let's go boom <laughs> final fantasy 8 you know he drags it like, boom, like straight and it's like this zantazookan attack or whatever it is like it's fucking sick and, and i i posted that just like i opened the forum to that particular shot uh and it was so interesting seeing people like yeah they're charging it up and they're like and you can see the sparks flying and everything it's such an iconic you know i think it's gonna give this final fantasy 9 sorry 8 thing like a run for its iconicness like frankly also i just want to throw this up Uh, i have never seen in any piece of media at all a mounted figure dragging a sword alongside them yeah like at full gallop right gathering sparks up and like kinetic energy to like like this is an it's an iconic attack and it's just incredible so fuck yeah I I like
2: to imagine because the enemy rides off screen right as the attack animation completes. I like to imagine their heads rolling down that hill. Yeah. (laughs) I want full on decapitation animations in Elden Ring. I'm just saying it. I'm putting it out there. I'm going Albert. I'm manifesting it.
0: Manifest some dismemberment. (laughs) We've got the ragdoll physics. That is one of the next steps. All right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Before the voice. I mean, we had, you know, Sekiro, like the voice protagonist there. But um, I reckon that's another, I, I love that. I love that for this um, as something that we might possibly see. Uh, but a little bit, maybe not the full like ragdoll, like cutting every limb off, like, you know, revengeance, like everything, but a couple of different, like if you could just like, wanna, and like w- how rewarding and satisfying would that be? You can't tell me that over at From Software as they're animating it, Like, uh, like the animator just wouldn't have turned to Miyazaki and said, Boss, come, let, let's do it. Like, let's fucking do the de- decapitation, baby. Like, how fucking satisfying
2: would that be? You know? I'm imagining, I'm going super lowbrow mm-hmm. and crude here, but I'm imagining, like, Dark Souls 1-level ragdoll physics, just crazy ragdolls, but with severed heads.
0: Fuck yes. Let's fucking go. <laughs> let, let's fucking go. Um, now, these cobblestones are just my life. I love them so much. Uh, I don't think we have to... Um uh go too far out of what we spoke about a couple episodes ago with Jozuba, we were talking about the uh the quadraform like the the Elden, uh, f- like it's this quadrant shape which basically in, in cultures you can see the, you know the north north south east west um it covers like the whole sort of spectrum of the world you know um i love and it's that's what is this if you zoom in on, on these cobblestones there's uh, mm-hmm. obviously there's going to be different realms and stuff but the wheel it's like we call it like the, the elden wheel or the golden wheel it's like one of the the faction sigils um such a tiny easily missable bit of detail but each one of these cobblestones is, is engraved over in italy where i grew up a little bit they do have engraved cobblestones and uh, i we haven't heard too much these very willy wonka-esque um teams but i would like to at some point hear that like Miyazaki did take the whole team for like a giant you know Let's go to like some old, you know, French medieval place to get some ideas, and like that's what they would do because it's just like they have these like piazza, uh, you know, cobblestones, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's an environmental detail. It might not end up having too much uh, lore, but frankly, um, I want to throw this to Leyland. Is as I go along, especially with this sort of Sega Mega Drive, you'll hear actually, um, uh, Kyle. Uh, talk about it actually he, he did a, an amazing a reading of um, of the as I call it like the Sega Mega Drive <laughs> menu type thing that he did uh, it, sorry not the menu like the you know booklet and him and me talked about and about but <laughs> it's one of the posts on, on the Instagram um, and I as we were talk as we as he was you know describing the lands between I did have um, the silver slash black knight effect of as you're hearing about these like charred knights in, in, in Dark Souls, you can't help but wonder what Anor Londo would have been like in its, in its prosperous times, you know? And I just, when I see like every single cobblestone like paved, sorry, like, no, sorry, like engraved so beautifully with like, and it's still glowing. You see, Leyland, like that was done mm-hmm. specifically, like that filament that golden kind of little emanation, it shows like what must these lands have looked like when they were like fully thriving before the fall, before the shattering, which is the name of this episode. Like, are we talking golden paved roads that led to these castles? What do you reckon?
1: Right. Yeah. My mind immediately goes to demon souls that the image of Boletaria before, you know, it became corrupted, just like the idyllic, beautiful, like castle and you you see that a lot in the um in the images of the castles we see in Elden Ring um they're just in obviously the the shattered form um but you can definitely see a lot of like very regal just gore absolutely gorgeous um architecture and scenery 100% love it T what do you reckon
2: yeah, I, I like the <clears throat> Bulletarian Palace reference. And, you know, something I, I, a little detail I've always loved about Demon Souls is that, that that first world, like one, one, and then one, two, one, three, as you get closer and closer to the King's Tower, the structures become more regal and grandiose like in the beginning you're kind of in like this shanty town and then by the end it's beautiful and ornate and i, and I think blue point uh did a great job in the ps5 remake of really accentuating some of those details um, but it's this idea right like you're getting closer to king alonso you're getting closer to king alonso mm-hmm. so that landscape's changing around you and i feel like we see glimpses of that in the trailer, right? Some areas don't look quite as crazy as others. And then some of these full blown castles, like imagine that little journey, right? Like the graduating landscape, things building up as you push farther and farther ahead. Uh, That's exciting. And honestly, as I'm looking at these cobblestones, I had, this is like a technical question. I'm gonna go like digital foundry here for a second. So these cobblestones are really like, especially if you're watching the 4K version of the trailer, they're really crisp and sharp and and nice on Mm -hmm. the eyes. What are we thinking for, like, w- will Elden Ring have basically, like, rendering options? Like, what do you think this game's going to run at? Because when I see this, it's like, okay, this has got to be 60 FPS. Like, I have to have 60 mm-hmm. FPS in a Soulsborne game. So what would be the sacrifice on, like, I don't know, like, PS5, Xbox Series X? Like, do you think Elden Ring is going to have two options? Or are we going to get, like, a... 1800 P at 30 FPS option. And then are we going to get like a 1200 P at 60 or is even that too optimistic? Like, I'm just wondering, this is an open world game, right? Mm. And like demon souls, blue point, they are masters. They are wizards in the industry. They do it better than anybody else. And demon souls is not an open world game. And the 60 FPS mode is 1400 P and it looks, it looks beautiful. There's the tessellation and the ambient occlusion and all these little tricks that you know. D- Blue points 1440p looks like other games 4K, right? So, um, but it. it's making me think. It's like, dude, that's Demon mm-hmm. Souls, though. That's kind of linear. What are we thinking? Elden Ring's gonna run at, and I, you know, we're not talking master PC master race here. I'm talking like on consoles. What are our expectations?
0: Right. Mm, go for it,
1: Leland. Well. I don't know i feel like it they have to consider some of the the older hardware that people are going to be playing on um like yeah the xbox one for sure will not be able to do such a vast open world at you know a 60 fps um so i think the rendering options will be well hopefully will be pretty considerate to those on those previous gen consoles or you know not on pc um or even for those on running PCs that might not be able to fully uh, support, you know, 60 FPS. Mm.
3: I can dig it.
2: Um, Bert, let me throw this detail at you before you answer, because you're familiar with like Horizon Zero Dawn. And I know you've been following Horizon Mm -hmm. Forbidden West, the news about that game. I thought this was very curious. So that's an open world game. And we know Gorilla, they're like at the cutting edge, right? When it comes to, to visuals and their understanding of the hardware. So they said, okay, there's going to be a dynamic 4K 30 FPS quality mode. And we're also going to have a 60 FPS performance mode. And they omitted the resolution in like the PlayStation blog. They didn't tell us. And that made me wonder like, oh no, is, is 60 FPS even on a PS5, 1080p in an open world game is, is gorilla not telling us yet? Cause they're, they're still gonna see what they can do like over the next six months, you know what I mean? And that's, so I'm that's kind of in the back of my mind while I'm, I'm wondering about Elden Ring.
0: Well, it's so funny, like we we're, were supposedly in the 8K era, like people have 8K TVs, it's an extant technology, even though it's not too widely adopted. I just ended up jumping on super early because Samsung like had a deal and it's like, I just want as many people, Leyland, T, both of you, can you just come to Australia and use my TV please like to justify this thing. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, so for me, man, like um, I, I think that uh, for you know, it's actually it was actually in the news recently. Um, Dark Souls Three got a performance boost. Um, uh, I think it's now unlocked sixty FPS. I believe uh, Xbox. I think
2: that well, Xbox I- basically got a version of what PS4 Pro got a couple yeah. of years back. I think it was like twenty seventeen PS4 Pro. Yeah. All Soft did was unlock the frame rate. So Ooh. if you actually play Dark Souls 3 on a PS5 today, yeah. that unlocking gets you 60 FPS. The PS5 pushes it to 60 FPS. And I think Xbox got that. But I think I saw it was 900p maybe, hmm. which is a little weird because it's <laughs> 1080p on PlayStation. I thought it was really strange. Right. I, mean, I think what I'll do is I'll acknowledge my
0: kind of relative inexperience in this area. And, and like I, it's not too much of a crucial thing for me. Uh, but I think what I will say is that um overall I would like for uh, there to be this um collective acknowledgement that you know how like we it would it would be unfathomable like completely unfathomable to, to release like a 360p game like it's just so far like no one would do that um right. uh, or 540p it's just it's not even in the discussion I would like for us to have gotten to a point where we are just at a firm like anything other than, 4k at uh 60 fps uh is just like not discussed like for me it's that's what I would love and I I I frankly like that's why Elden Ring it's obviously going to be PS5 for me and um and I just yeah I, I always find that um that is such an interesting. It's like when you buy a MacBook or and you, you you know that it has 120 gig storage, but it's actually only got about 60 gig storage because some of it needs to be used for whatever. It's like ah, oh, I just wish there was a lot more clarity about that. Yeah. And yeah, I'll just say like you know, um, overall, I, I'm just I'm wanting it obviously to to look the absolute best possible. And uh, and for me, if we are gonna, you know, that whole thing of like dubs versus subs, whatever. Usually, some people form on both on either side. For me, uh, fidelity is more important than the frame rate. Obviously, for Terra, I take it uh, frame rate's going to be more
2: important for you because of the combat.
0: You know, love and light to whoever vibes with whatever. Absolutely, you know,
2: totally. Or I, I guess to put, let's put a pin in it, but my question would be if this game can only render at 1080p when pushing 60 frames per second, like is everybody cool with that? I think so because that might be all horizon mm-hmm. forbidden west can achieve as well and that might be you know they they maybe haven't disclosed that yet because they're worried that might not be great marketing you know to be like ah get yeah. this 1080p game on your ps5 but like maybe it's fine you know maybe that's yeah. not a big deal i don't
0: know i don't think it'll be i think uh, miyazaki has a great sense of uh knowing what you know especially coming out of um uh i think I can't remember what which specific title had issues with like chugginess or whatever, with the certain amount of dynamic elements on screen at, at once. But um, I think obviously with the power of next gen, uh, I think he's going to do a better job than, um, I'm so sorry that they've become synonymous with this, but then, then yeah, Cyberpunk with like the different generations and like handling um, how each performs on each. Uh, Microsoft have this endearing jankiness to them where there's clipping and there's like an informality to it. Uh As you said, Leyland, uh he kind of issues modern game-making stuff where something that would keep Neil Druckmann up at night, which is like Hell- Ellie's hair clipping through her backpack, like Miyazaki is sleeping soundly. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care if my fucking... Tarnished white mane clips completely through my gigantic greatsword. You know, so
1: because
0: right. um, yeah, that
2: greatsword animation looks so great, he's sleeping yeah. like a baby.
3: He's yeah. a, mm-hmm.
0: absolutely.
2: Oh yeah, yeah to- that, that's why I bring it up though, and, and maybe it's not worth exploring any further. But just yeah, has sort of had issues with frame rate in yeah. their in their previous games, and I'm thinking on next gen consoles, 60fps is going to be an expectation i think i hope i mean dude i'd play Elden ring in 720p if i could get 120 hertz it's gonna be gorgeous i'm gonna tell you okay here it is we're gonna have a vr ability you're gonna be able to go in in vr and
0: uh, you know the ceremony we did before the show of like behind <laughs> the scenes of like you know the ormer child kind of thing i have this post on the instagram right now of like it's this close up on this one specific fucking it just looks it screamed of like George R. R. Martin slash Miyazaki collectible. It is a fucking knight. It's in the trailer coming up ahead. It's a sword, but the sword has a gem hilt. And I could imagine some nerdy fucking ceremony <laughs> that if we could go into, obviously it's not possible in the real world. We can't go back in the sixties and seventies, but how, and they, they fuck they fucked with VR before. So they know about fidelity and stuff. And I'm just, this is all self-indulgent. I would love the idea of Bach. in that being with you guys in that super fucking medieval slash fantasy, un- unfetteredly shamelessly fantasy tastic environment of like some wizard's crypt and and I in fact I love this thing Lilian can I just throw this to you there's a line mm-hmm. called it's about discovering the masters that have, that yet remain and I just in the in the lands between and mm-hmm. just to spiral from this like thing of resolution I love tangent taking as you know T um would would that be something where it's like we we actually uh like is it Orbeck you know from from 3 right uh yeah the mm-hmm. the 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 mage with his scrolls and everything man are you vibing that we're gonna like come across these ancient magical masters and like learn spells from them in their like super cozy like wizard crypts out in the world and deep in the woods like are you fucking vibing with me on that or what how fucking cool is that right definitely
1: and i think we we see it with that um there's that one shot i think later in the trailer of the where they just kind of go through a few of the different npcs that will we'll meet and there's the one who's like in the library just like you know. know over a table like I, I have the vibe that he's like the Orbeck type you know we'll definitely have those NPCs that we meet and yeah it. it's, it's going to be awesome.
0: Tara can you lead a bit of a manifestation prayer for me
2: please if we could do this little, <laughs> to Albert. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're manifesting that you're oh, yeah. your wizard in the woods Yeah, <laughs> how did you fucking know <laughs> I want
0: specifically like cut to a clip okay sword in the stone right i want the gnarled wood i want this like you're actually clip clopped. you look up and it's the leering you know the leering branches and shit and you think you see something in the woods and it's like i'm talking deep in these foggy woods and you think you're about to come up to another like set of like ghouls or, or enemies or whatever and the fog parts and you just see this like cozy as fuck wizard's den with like cozy light coming out of it and it's pitter patter raining and you go up and it's like what are you doing out there come inside and you fucking do the thing of he like makes you a cup of something or whatever and it's like a whole cutscene, you know mm-hmm. fuck me and then he teaches you some spell or some shit and like fucking so rad oh my god so that's the kind of thing let's do a vignette round table man Mind's eye cinema round table i just gave mine Terra, a very, like, almost super specific to the point that if it comes true, it's like, we have to have, like, some celebratory thing or whatever. Something so idiosyncratically Terra-specific from Elden Ring that you'd like to see that we will end up clipping this out and being like, oh my god, it happened if it does end up happening. We'll go Terra, then we'll go Leyland. Go.
2: Hmm... And are are we limiting ourselves to NPC encounters? No, anything could be an enemy, could be an element, could be a line spoken,
0: uh, a story reveal. Go.
2: I want. We we know optional boss battles are going to be in the game, and we know optional boss battles have been uh, you know a, a staple of recent FromSoft games. Yeah, I want to be completely caught off guard. I want to stupidly stumble into like this organic champion Gundyr level boss battle in the field. I don't want to be in a dungeon. I I want to like just kind of go around this corner and there is just some champion, some stud, crazy weapon. He's running at me. He's kicking. He's just like, and like, I barely have time to react. You know, I want to Sekiro grapple my way out of the situation, but I can't, I'm there that's what i, I want to be shocked yeah by an optional i want to discover and be shocked by an optional boss battle
0: bro like fast heck a yes
2: optional boss battle that's what i want number one wish for elden Ring. in <laughs> the field though that's the thing i yeah, want in, in the, the field, field. like because we know we know we're getting sick boss battles in the dungeons and the castles i want one mm-hmm. in the
0: field all right all right i think your over under is very strong on that one man but yeah go ahead leland anything could be anything go
1: so i'm thinking Back to Dark Souls 2, um, the NPC of Benhart of Yugo. Hmm. If you guys remember, he's like this oh, yeah. you know... Um, How could you forget? You know, yeah, he's like one of my favorite NPCs but you know, this hardened warrior who has this big sword just like, you know, where you're just traveling through the the open area and you just see this warrior like on the side of the road just sitting on a stone with his like giant great sword just s- sat next to him and you just approach him and he gives you, you know, the next quest, or you know, he offers his his aid in the next boss battle. Like, I'm, I'm, I just can't wait to meet the Ben Hart of Elden Ring.
0: I dig it. I fucking dig it, man. I think that's us awesome. on this. Uh, I'll call it the Zanzuken shot, uh, which is yeah from Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> but that amazing dragging move, amazing. It'll, sh- I'm sure it'll be called something incredible of its own. And uh, yeah, look out, Final Fantasy. It's it, like. <laughs> about to steal your girl like about to steal your iconic fucking move <laughs> uh, excuse me i would take a fucking tarnished mounted on a yoshitaka Amanoan and fucking steed with amazing golden horns dragging that fucking long sword and it's a fucking mm. long sword a long golden paved golden engraved filamentastic whatever Ooh, yeah um, uh you know cobblestones and into the face of this fucking enemy so coming for you i swear Leyland, i want to echo that as you mentioned uh earlier mm-hmm. we are in for something like it feels and this is no jinxing or whatever like it feels that same electricity in the air of when people were like leading up to like metal gear solid 2 or something like something fucking huge uh with elden ring man i'm feeling it dude and like please expound on that dude like uh i'm i'm with you on that vibe of this being something more way more special than people are even imagining right now
1: yeah and i think i think tara mentioned this uh, in an earlier podcast of like just the privilege of being of living now before yeah. like this this feels just so monumental to like this is the game of my lifetime honestly like this is this is gonna be it you know like it's elden ring this is the one and just you know get, miyazaki at his finest like it's yeah there's just this there's something in the air that's just we're just feeling it we're just feeling yeah, it right see, now
0: Leland I just got a flash of you because you have the the hair with the like gray like gray hair gray hair telling your kids about like oh yeah <laughs> obviously we had more games that came out after that it's more amazing looking games or whatever but Elden Ring Elden Ring yeah. that's what it was for me I could so see that mm-hmm. like it feels like this be all end all endlessly revisitable you know you have people now who played ocarina who speak of it as affectionately as i'm sure one day you and i t speak of elden ring you know totally totally full fucking trouble Mm -hmm. um t did you want to have a a quick riff about just like the historicity of like the the how people might not even really be quite gauging just how much innovation how it's really gonna give breath of the wild to a run for its like year game of the year but also like just yeah like really bringing it in terms of a a new take on and making the open world uh it's its own really go for it with Elden Ring
2: well I so I mean this is how I felt since uh what since Dark Souls 2 came out in 2013 because I my first game was Dark Souls 1 um so Dark Souls 2 is that first game that I got to properly anticipate as a fan and I have felt this way every time. Like, I mean, I know, I know Elden Ring's exciting, but dude, Dark Souls two, Bloodborne, Mm -hmm. Sekiro DS three. Like, I mean, I remember just repeatedly watching that first Dark Souls three trailer and it was just like, Oh my God. So this, like, I'm so excited, but it also is just like, yeah, like, this is what we do every couple of years. Like, Mm -hmm. like, this is what we do. And Miyazaki's got something new to show us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Leland, I, I have to just hit on uh Ben Hart really quick because that was like a really specific NPC reference. Right. I'm I, I always loved that about Ben Hart that like, cause what is it? You first encounter him right outside of Majula when the statue's blocking your way and you like turn around and you you like you could easily run by him and not even notice him, and then like the first time you talk to him, he says something like like who are you or, or you know like yeah, or something yeah. about like <laughs> do you have business with me or something, and then it's like later in the game you're like summoning him in the giant memories, and it's just like so, if you actually do his quest line, it's so crazy to see like where it starts and where it can end. So I'm totally with you. Like those really seemingly incidental. Uh, NPC encounters that lead to something crazy down the line, and you know, you know, some version of that will be an Elden Ring. You said it, dude.
0: You said Definitely. it. Good vibes, brother. Let's go to the next shot now. Basically, I would say this kind of brace of shots really is like all the one movement of this slashing upward moment. Obviously, was mm-hmm. it yep. exactly one minute. We're looking at uh, some cool old school comparison style, uh you know, flourish to the to the sort of horse raiment, I guess you could call it. Uh, all these little details that I just love noticing. Um, yeah, that just across the chest shot. And yeah, that guy is, he's gone. <laughs> like, he's not having a good Tuesday, that dude.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and now the Hall of Arms, uh, the Armory is probably what people are calling it. This is a shot that I've looked, I've been looking forward to now that I just look at it. I was like, oh yeah, I didn't quite, you know, it hadn't quite hit me just how much I was looking forward to parking on this one because Leyland, you know what I'm about to say? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Talk me through the possible law reasons for a hall, which seems to be a dining hall of some kind, uh, having this many grizzly seemingly fused together limbs um, from possibly the same race of creature which are these long it's not like a diverse oh there's like limbs from different species no this is a very like it's a very specific it makes me think like you know the the thumerians are very tall and lanky you know these are very these these are the limbs of lanky type beings. so what are we looking at of grizzly trophies of an extinguished race a genocided like you know, uh there's a thing in Warhammer armies about the ogres, the ogre kingdoms like they came and then they devoured all the giants and now the sky mm-hmm. giants are no more. Are we looking at uh something like that or because they look kind of fresh, uh what do you reckon? Could it be like immortal flesh yeah. or something? But yeah. I'm,
1: I'm getting kind of like seath vibes with mm. like, you know, how Seath you know went through all those years of experimentation and trying to develop like, what was it? The, the dragon born, yeah. you know, in, in his, um, yeah. In his, in his space and dark souls one, I'm kind of thinking maybe the, that many armed King that we see in this trailer has kind of, after the, the breaking of the Elden ring has kind of had this fixation on like, while everything else is breaking. I'm, just gonna add arms to me i'm gonna like yeah you know go through these mutations of trying to figure out how to develop myself into a more superior being beyond this shattering this time of shattering um so i think maybe he collected or like he was killing the um the enemies that we see later in this sequence those like weird kind of um yeah. yeah, centipede-esque, yeah. many-armed yeah, man. enemies, and that he's just brandish, brandishing them across his entire castle or something like that.
0: Mm. I can vibe with that, man. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on the painting in specific, but I want to throw what you mm. just said to Terra, if you had any riffs on what Shiny uh, um, just said, man.
2: Yeah, I when I saw this shot in the trailer for the first time, Kind of made me think of Kanehurst Castle from Bloodborne. Kind of made me think of parts of Irithyll of the Boreal Valley from Dark Souls Three. Like not all the way to the dungeon, but like those, like the area you know with the paintings and the Silver Knights and uh, where you encounter Siegward and uh, kind of those parts of of that area. Like it felt really familiar. But when I see those arms, like I think of the many the many armed king. Okay. I think of that shot from the 2019 teaser trailer. It appears to be him, you know, the demigod that we're now calling the many armed King, uh, the, the outfit matches up where he has that severed arm that appears like he's putting over his own arm. And then all those other arms and hands begin to emerge behind him. Um, I like the Seath reference there, Leland, because yeah, I think Seath, what was it? He was, Seath was born without scales, that make the dragons immortal. So he was like envious mm-hmm. and betrayed them. He stole the crystal. Um, he was this, like, he kind of had that like little man's complex, right? He was like mm-hmm. insecure and, and desperate. And that led to, that led to trouble. So I wonder, you know, looking back at like how defeated I'll just, I'll call him the many armed King, like how defeated he appears to be in that 2019 trailer slumped over in the darkness with that severed sort of half arm. And I, I'm just wondering if there's a connection here. We obviously see him in the trailer. Um, and and then, like you said, we have that kind of centipede enemy who also has multiple limbs. And does that enemy maybe even have a crown on? Yeah, no, they do. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. like, and, and we know Miyazaki, right? Sekiro, he's into limbs. And I think Katie even had that great line from our episode with her, where she's like, I think Miyazaki likes amputees. And like, yeah. it's, it's so hard to speculate, but there's... I think we're at least seeing patterns, though. We're seeing patterns that you can, you know, that correlate with past games. You're seeing patterns that correlate with the 2019 trailer and some of the the officially released screenshots that Famitsu published. But, yeah, Albert, what are you, what are you thinking about that? And what are your thoughts on this painting? Have you, like, 400% zoomed into this painting and given it some thought?
0: <laughs> um, well, what you said about the arms um in connection to that scene from the the opening trailer which we have to we're also we're we're torchbearers for people not forgetting that one in particular uh, i know the law hunter has done some uh he's thrown it back to that trailer occasionally with referencing and seeing what informs the other um i think his uh, pace at which he goes i just you know love and light to people to people's different processes but uh um, I just think he kind of he went past a couple of things where with this taking terror is excellent example uh, you know as, as, as the premise for going at that for the, at this pace and then relating back to that imagery. Um, this place obviously if we were to you know um, think of uh, each of these lords, these six lords of each of them having an angle to how warped they are and and what they're what their curse was or what what part of them you know like they're fixated on or something like i i think this arm thing uh in in that same thing as raiden from like middle gisola too like he was revealed to us but oh by by far and away like he wasn't the main he wasn't like i mean like he was one like you there was just teasers it was barely hinted at and and in the promo material or whatever or probably even at all and what i think with with elden ring is that just like basically this um and there's actually a precedent for this Leyland um the cleric beast right if you look at the Mm -hmm. promo material for for blood for bloodborne he's very prominently featured like he's like the main marketed like in that some of the not quite not live action but quasi live action like there's some very like high production value like um advertisements where it's um like done by a cg company or something with just the hunter and the and the cleric beast they're sort of mm-hmm. matched as like Mario and bowser kind of thing and and at the very end of this one it's the tarnished and the many-armed king so he may end up being however like just like in that very first teaser of bloodborne like he's prominent but this is just one and i find that so fascinating like there wasn't a hint of the amygdala in early bloodborne promo material not a hint of the shadows <laughs> of yana not a hint of um fuck like the moon presence you know and it's so important. I hope I'm actually galvanizing a bit of hype here, because, you know, as we're going at this pace, we can hone in and start attributing meaning specifically to what we're seeing. But it's just as exciting to, to recognize that we're still 180 something days away. Uh, it's bigger than any of the other Miyazaki games. Um, I think this arm thing, frankly, it's just like to in that same way of, you know, recontextualizing like size wise and significance wise the cleric beast to Bloodborne, which is, you know, ultimately he's not that significant at all. He has certainly a very iconic look and with the the hairy arm, which is, you know, emblematic of like the, that certain side of the body, the, the, the beasthood creeping up that side. And then this motif, which is very Miyazaki of the, of like that in like literal visual imbalance, you know, of the, of the bigger arm. Uh, for me, what's exciting is like this deranged arm obsessed, King, you know, which clearly he has either a photo of his ancestor there with them, um, which actually looks to be some kind of a giant. I, 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 I perceive that to be, uh, mm-hmm. he's actually standing with like the ocean around his ankles, like you can actually see, and he's like facing. He's got, oh, yeah, yeah, he's got like a, a an avian claw of some kind on his on his shoulder. Um, it could also be maybe this entity like whispering to him or something you know, it's the perfect resolution level where you can really get your speculation on. Uh, and in the bottom left, for me, it resembles like a, like a, a little fire or, or a bonfire on the beach of this thing. It's very Goya. If you, I'll throw a picture now of um Francisco de Goya's Colossus, mm. uh, which is what Giorgio del Toro based all of his um uh Pacific Rim imagery of like the, the waist high water and stuff. And like, so I wonder if this guy maybe descended from titans and like descended from greater beings, and uh, this is literally like Jim Carrey, the number twenty three. It's fucking, uh, you know, um, uh, Buffalo Bill with like women's skin. Like he's just picked something in this crazy fucking world, and uh, he's trying to, you know, uh, arm Mancy, You know, like he's trying to like,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, channel. What maybe seriously, you know, like that obsessive reading guy, whatever. Maybe at some point this king like read something about some combination of of limbs that would then unlock some level of uh, divinity. And and Tara and I had some non Elden Ring related riffs about many armed deities. Uh, there was some lifestyle stuff. Here, lifestyle stuff. We were talking about, hmm. and there is an attributability of divinity to having multiple limbs, like which is the idea that you know divinities can hold many truths. And and I think his visual design completely evokes a, a madman who is trying to become a divinity, as you said, you know, he's he, he read somewhere that the more arms, the more godly, you know, look at Durga in imagery, like here you go, some Durga imagery. Um she has all like hundreds of arms and then these deities would have hundreds of heads or whatever. And I just think he probably expected more from his Shard of the Great Rune. He knows that he's getting old and I think he wants, he's just greedy. He's a greedy, uh, he's a greedy dude. And, and and this thing, interestingly though, relating back to the imagery of the first trailer is he's almost made to be a pitiable figure in that first one uh, where the arms seem to be operating independently of him. And what i what we end up, we might end up finding is that His very similar to Gurman and uh, um, the scholars in in Bloodborne, they pursued it and then the entity itself woke up and then took possession of him. And Gurman, when we meet him, he's very Mm. assured. He's kind of, he's almost a bit aloof, but that the core of him is that he's trapped, you know. And I wonder if at some point this guy was going so far down the road with trying to, like, you know, become this deity that he did draw the attention of some magical malevolent force that then went on to completely warp him complete and like and, and make him just repulsive and uh corrupted and and he's the one in the trailer he's he's one of the main narrators he's openly deriding us openly like saying like we're lowly and like i command the kneel and stuff it's very clear that that's the character that's speaking like it's hinted at through editing and stuff so uh whilst maybe not like on this this uh you know cleric beast because cleric it was you know almost like a glorified mini boss but just to just to imagine that like there's so many angles i've come at it from obviously it it, it suits for the many armed kings like so many so many different angles you can go from but uh i would say my over under for this is we're going over on uh a, a mad a mad king uh wanting to become a god uh and uh um clearly this lionizing of his past is to try and justify like his pursuits which you know i have to imagine that each one of these arms had like bodies and he had to kind of kill them and like he's a murderer like and mm-hmm. then i wonder if he's been doing a lot of rationalization up there in his ivory tower of like oh it'll all be worth it if i just get the right combination of like whatever, you know um yeah madman and then also i need to throw up this a uh, very well-known image uh of it's a medieval uh it's the, the the triple there's actually right in the smack middle of the screen there's a i'm sure this was intentional it's um the three-legged leg it's just three legs and it's like an old italian medieval or just like medieval motif oh. yeah yeah exactly. it's um, the
1: triskeleg which actually i have a tattoo of the well i don't have the, the feet themselves but in the cool. sicilian coat of arms there's yeah that the triskelic of the the legs, yeah, yeah, the triskelion. Hey, Italiano,
0: fantastic, amazing, and so lots of angles there. But uh, that's my over under, um, and yeah, I'll happy to for anyone to take that and, and run with it. Anyone, <laughs> go for it. Well,
2: yeah. I I like the idea that the many armed king could be our cleric beast or even our pontiff Sullivan. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I just rattled off those statistics earlier you know, like not like what half the people who pick up Dark Souls 3 are beating Pontiff Sullivan. So to a lot of players that's, I mean, he is like this be-all end-all boss when in reality he's like a mid-game boss, you mm-hmm. know, like your 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 entire experience of that game can revolve around him and then it's like, oh wait, there's like half the game left, like the hardest bosses remain. So mm-hmm. if, if the many-armed king, if we get him early and you know Miyazaki is not showing us more than he is showing us
3: Mm -hmm. in this
2: trailer i love the i love the thought of that and yeah we've we've riffed about that many times on the podcast the corrupted bosses that's nothing new it's actually kind of rare that we're fighting like an inherently evil character in miyazaki's games it's very rare it's much more likely that we're fighting you know characters who just have different motivations who have become corrupted often tragically like you know i'm not gonna just like spoil all the lore here but like the, the tragedy of Slave Night Gale is just like my favorite little nugget of lore in all of Soulsborne, like how tragic that Mm -hmm. character is. You'd never know. You'd never know where things were going the first time you encounter him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a perfect example of like, even thinking about Gale, thinking about the first time you see Gale and the last time you see Gale. His behavior the last time you see him, his behavior the first time you see him. Kind of makes me think of what you're saying, Albert. Like, look at that 2019 trailer. Look at the, you know, this demigod who becomes the many-armed king. His body language is so he looks so defeated the way yeah. he slumped over. Right. Or like Leland, mm-hmm. like you were saying like that Seath comparison and then look at the guy who's like talking smack to us midway through this trailer. It's not the same person. So this is really consistent with the way Miyazaki likes to handle his boss characters. And mm-hmm. oh, I can't wait. Yeah. And, go for Leland?
1: Yeah. And you mentioned um, Sullivan. I also immediately then go to Aldrich and you have that comparison of the you know, his body turning into this, you know, you know, goop. And you see him in the very like first trailer of DS three. He's literally just a blob, Mm -hmm. like going into the game. You just think that you're going to, you know, end up fighting this like amorphous weird sludge Mm -hmm. that you then end up finding out is Aldrich. And he has got a human form to him too, much like how this many armed King may have been. I mean, in this painting, that could potentially have even been him. him at one point in his life before he became consumed with um, his ideation of having many arms to become stronger, what have you.
2: Well, and that reminds us how far back the body horror stuff goes with Miyazaki, mm-hmm. right? Like back to Bloodborne in DS3. Like Aldrich is such a great example. Aldrich is this abomination. It's the, he's the, uh, what is his nickname, right? The devourer of gods. Like, yep. Miyazaki loves that obviously that's there in Bloodborne it's there in Sekiro and I think he and Martin are going to go crazy with an Elden Ring based on what we're saying and and Albert you said that too like when is going to be that that like, wow, what the heck is going on moment? Like I had no idea this game was going to go into this kind of territory. Like we get that in Bloodborne. I mean, you even get that in, you know, its own way with Dark Souls three. And I mean, Sekiro has that even in shades. I mean, Bloodborne definitely does it though, where it's like, oh, this is what this game's about. Okay. Um, I hope we're in store for some of that in Elden Ring too. Cause you know how macabre Miyazaki and Martin can get. So
0: true man and also it's important to note that like even though like 90 percent of the we're seeing is arms we do see a few 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 legs as well there's a few feet there um just to kind of evoke that on there as well so um what 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 will be really interesting is to see this the scope of of this thing of the limbs of removed limbs you know um i'm i'm very intrigued I, I wonder if there might even be something that if listeners might say might if anyone out there is like hey there's something in plain sight that we're not seeing with this uh you know maybe something tied in with Marika or with the, uh, the earth tree itself i, I offered the idea of bracha which is the branches the bows of the uh, earth tree and like this idea of there being a special significance because of just how fundamental the tree is, tree imagery, like, again, it's this tree that has created the world. Like if, if uh, our world, for example, was supported by a giant tree or something, we would probably have a lot more tree leading uh, or tree honoring or, or tree referencing motifs and imagery and beliefs, you know? so um, So I'd be really interested in that. But that's me with this frame, buddies. Mm-hmm. Are we good to turn the page?
3: Into, let's the, do it.
0: Yeah, let's do it. into the the further shards we have here together. Flat Stanley. Flat Stanley. Thank you, Poly- Thank you Polygon. Uh, in reference immediately to uh, an amazing um, uh, Miura piece from Berserk, which here you go, right there. Um, an incredible, incredible piece, which someone wants, I think someone explain the in, in the comments what that is. As I'm going along, I'll probably flash it here. Um, Always when I do these flashes, by the way, <laughs> if I have time and if my editor doesn't fucking crash, then I I have the privilege. So uh, shout out iMac Pro, where I'll be able to do shit absolutely without any doubts or whatever. But uh, this is um, frankly one of the trailer's most um, fascinating images as well. Uh, before I throw it, I do have... Um, just got a little reminder from from uh, from family to go and do something. I w- I'll hopefully be right back. But T, are you good to just riff with Leyland?
2: Oh yeah, you need to step away for a minute, man. It's fine. We'll just cut it later. Yeah, yeah, you're fine.
0: Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll cut it or like whatever. Like we'll see how we go and then like do not stop if uh, you got and go to the next shot and everything. Okay. Gotcha.
2: Oh, okay. Like actually keep rolling. Like you'll
0: use <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, keep okay, going, cool. keep going. Okay. Sure. Love and light. All right, I might be a while. Okay, take it easy. Sounds
1: good. Wait. So yeah, what do you uh, what do you make of this? Um giant face. <laughs>
2: I know. I mean when I saw this, <laughs> like because I'm just thinking about I i'm more often go to like the past games than I go to like what you know, what does this mean for Elden Ring? When I saw this, it made me think of like the profaned capital. It made me think of Tomb of mm. Tomb of the Giants. Um it just made me. I think these next couple shots. It looks like we're underground, you know, in some kind of caverns or catacombs or something, and it just gets me thinking about that idea that uh, maybe unlike previous games, because this isn't going to be linear, and Miyazaki's used. You know, he's he's told us that there's going to be a lot of interconnected dungeons. I'm imagining being deep in a place like this. And maybe there's some reason why you want to get back to the open field. You know, we're not quite sure Mm -hmm. how bonfires or checkpoints or anything like that's going to work in the game quite yet. But I'm just thinking like, imagine being deep, like really, really deep and alone. Like you don't have any help and you're just in these caverns. You don't know how much farther you have to go. Maybe you're like, you know, you feel like you're pushing your luck a little bit, but like here you are. That's where my mind goes. What do you like? What does this conjure up for you when you're seeing this scene?
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree with the idea of you want to escape this this place. And even the trailer just presents it. You see the character going up rather than descending. He's ascending. He's moving away from this dark cavernous pit. Right. Um, And yeah, even just just to go through the imagery scene here. just speculation. I think this might be one of the old gods, maybe of this world. Mm. Um, you see these kind of branch like tendrils or maybe roots coming from underneath this face. Um, so maybe it's uh, directly connected to the erd tree. Um, maybe it was like the protector or God of the erd tree before the ring shattered. Mm. Um, I think it's definitely a significant, it'll be a significant figure to um, to the lore of, of. And,
2: and Leland, doesn't it yeah. almost look like this face has almost like an emblem or a marker of some kind on the forehead?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or even like a third eye. Yes, know, is how it's presented as. Um, and it's in the shape of a ring too. So mm. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot here. For and sure, it's such and a it quick looks-
2: shot, right? Like we just get it for yeah. a second, and then we move Split on. Yeah, and that's that's the thing with this trailer. Like, It's so hard to gauge like what's really significant, what's kind of insignificant. Um, but this, I, I, all I know is I want to be in these caves.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. And you you mentioned the Profane Capital, and that's immediately what my mind went to, is just yep. going through, you know, Irithyll Dungeon down into the Profane Capital. I think this whole spot for the rest of this section of the trailer is just my mind immediately was like, boom, this is the profane capital area of Elden Ring to make that comparison.
2: Well, in- your point i mean that little stretch of dark souls three might give us a glimpse as to what we're in store for because that's that is one section of that game where it's like man it just keeps going right like you're up Mm. in the city and then you descend into the dungeon and then you descend into the profane capital it kind of just keeps going deeper and deeper there's like a nice verticality to that part of the game kind of reminiscent of like dark souls one's map and you know just imagine that but on a much greater scale um I think the exploration will be really, really fun. Like it will be fun to kind of, uh, you're not even so much thinking about combat or you're not even so much thinking about like lore as much as you're just thinking about like physically exploring spaces in the game. And I think that'll be really interesting.
1: Totally, yeah. And and moving to the next frame, maybe Mm -hmm. um, from the face, we, we then see the protagonist with, or you know, our character, the player character with a torch held up. Um, overviewing this what appears to be like a temple um, and this was actually the the shot that I was alluding to earlier where there are these figures that are kind of surrounding the the face of the statue that has fallen off mm. if you zoom in they look like almost hollows um, you know just very thin lanky human humanoid figures that are not moving. If you do the frame by frame, they're frozen. Oh yeah. Um yep. And it almost appears as though they're they might be running from the temple. There's one right at the entrance of the temple, right by the two um torches that are lit down there that appears to be walking away from or moving out of the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of tied back in with That scene earlier that you guys analyzed with Zozuba of the dragons moving in the background, but everything else was still within that, within that setting. I just thought that was an interesting little detail.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I have to admit, I haven't even noticed those, yeah, I, I'm guessing they're enemies of some kind, but those figures down there, you know, now that I'm looking more closely, you point that, pointed it out, yeah, you can see one kind of near like the entrance, sort of mm-hmm. the, the face of, yeah, this temple or something. And then you can see a couple near that head of the mm-hmm. statue that's broken off. They actually remind me of the dark stalkers from No Man's Wharf and Dark Souls 2, like oh, from yeah. a distance, you know, from like really far mm-hmm. away. That's what it kind of makes me think of. They they look creepy. They definitely look creepy.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they definitely have to be an enemy of some some sort. I also was kind of thinking, going back to Dark Souls 2, potentially them being, you know, like a, a figure, like an, a potentially NPC frozen, but there's just so many of them, and they're all in kind of interesting poses that, I don't know, I definitely am leaning more towards either enemies of some kind um it could just be like a rendering thing but i i don't think so i think this is an intentional detail that they left in that they're frozen in those positions you know
2: right yeah and without this deliberate pacing and really going frame by frame you'd never notice these kinds of details but they are in Mm -hmm. there and and i just love this this shot too i actually feel like this is i don't know like trying to uh emulate Albert here because I feel like this is something that he would say, <laughs> but like this over the shoulder shot of the tarnished, like the way, if you almost think about this from like a cinematography standpoint, the way that this shot is framed, it's really inviting because we, we sort of have the tarnished perspective and we're looking down, like, cause you want to go down there. You want to see like these, we'll just call them dark stalkers for now. Like, mm-hmm. what are they doing? What are they like? How are they going to react to us? What's inside the face of this temple? these statues who are they of like um it's really really inviting like it it just reminds you that this game is going to be about adventure and exploration and i mean the torch just is like the icing on the cake there and i i wanted to ask you about that too because we do see a lot of you know torches in the trailer Mm -hmm. and torches are nothing new to to soulsborne games but i am wondering like what your take is as we dive into some of these dungeons in the game, do you think we're going to maybe be relying on light sources more than in previous games? Cause that's always been slightly optional, right? Right.
1: There's very few
2: instances in which like tomb of the giants is one of those very rare exceptions where it's like, okay, you need Mm -hmm. a torch, the sunlight maggot, you need something. And I'm just wondering, are some of these areas going to be so dark or, like, will the black levels be enhanced because of just the nature of this game and it's sort of a next-gen experience? What's your take mm-hmm. on that?
1: Yeah, and I, I think it might be the, you know, um, the next step that they wanted to see in Dark Souls 2, maybe, where they really wanted the, the, that heavy dynamic lighting to where the torches were, like, a necessity as a concept that ended up not being implemented, um, due to you know several reasons during production of that game. But um, yeah, I mean, I would t- I'd be all about you know the dark areas being dark. You know, like re- requiring the player to use a torch is a concept that yeah we really haven't had, um, and I think would be very suiting to this setting in particular. Absolutely.
2: Well, and I wonder if that will be part of the crafting system that Miyazaki's alluded to. He hasn't, you know, he didn't share a lot of details about what we will be crafting. Um, I'm imagining it'll be kind of a basic system. You know, he's he's usually pretty transparent and always talking about, like, we want to focus on what we do best. So I don't mm-hmm. see him going crazy with crafting in, in Elden Ring, but he has said there's a system. So, like, that's a great point about Dark Souls 2 because you know that that timer... In Dark Souls 2 with the torches, that's mm-hmm. meant to inspire fear and anxiety, right? Like mm-hmm. when you're combing through certain, you know, areas in that game. You're supposed to be nervous because you only have three minutes left. And yeah, I mean, you, you know, depending on how you play the game, you can have so much torch time that, like you said, it's you know kind of a joke. But um, mm-hmm. I'm imagining like imagine if you need certain resources, right, to craft a torch and uh, like realistic resources that you can actually farm throughout the world. And maybe you're deep in one of these places and you're a little concerned about, you know, your resource management. Um, even if the system's basic, that could really add a lot to the excitement and the player engagement,
1: don't you think? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I'd never even considered factoring in the whole, um, yeah, having to... Um, like manage your resources when it comes to torches just because with Dark Souls 3 you just go to the shrine handmaiden and just buy a torch for like a right. couple hundred souls and then boom you've just got a torch for the rest of the game um so yeah i think this the crafting element is yeah something we haven't seen before and could um yeah really enhance your the feeling of really journeying through just knowing that you only have so many um you know, flints or what you know whatever, oh, yeah, however they implement it. Um, but yeah, the torch time, it definitely would add and enhance the the feel of being immersed within your journey. Mm-hmm.
2: We've seen that with with the various, you know, six games, like ideas being introduced and then expanded upon or refined in the later games. And you can tell from software likes to do that. Like they like to Mm -hmm. iterate, reiterate, really try to refine what they're offering us. So, yeah, I think that would be. That would be super cool yeah if a torch wasn't just something you could pick up you know from a npc character or from an enemy but maybe you have to craft it and maybe you have to be pretty careful about how you're managing those resources because yeah that would really drive home that anxiety i think they were going for in ds2 with that timer but um mm. yeah what do you say we roll on to i think our next frame is the pot boyfriend
1: yeah little pot yeah, boys I've got a
2: couple of pot boys here what was your first like first day when you saw the trailer? What was the first thing you thought of when you saw these pop boys walking around?
1: Immediately, best of friends, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, what's your I take? Know, are at, these at the enemies?
2: Or are these like potential NPC friends of ours, like allies of ours? What do you think?
1: See, to me, they give off kind of the crystal lizard vibe. And I know, I think Vati actually pointed this out in his video that the texture of the arms looks pretty similar. It's very scaled and rocky and reminiscent of the Crystal Lizard, and it would make sense for a pot to be broken to um, (laughs) receive a rare resource. But at the same time, you know, they're they're just they're they're too much of a friend to, (laughs) to want to break, you know, like I see this as a companion, a hundred percent.
2: Well, and and you know, the, we have the pot nobles, obviously, and and Sekiro. They they mm-hmm. were sort of friendly. They were sort of our friends. They were strange, but yeah, they were friendly. At
1: least, strange and, but uh, friendly. You know, <laughs> you know,
2: they they had rewards to offer. Um, mm-hmm. I I think even if there are yeah pot boy enemies in the game, we need at least like one pot boy merchant. I want to buy Definitely. stuff from a pot boy merchant and. Yeah, that's that's it's such a funny idea to imagine them as like a crystal lizard, like one of these guys waddling away from you as you're trying to catch mm-hmm. up to him. He's got yeah. something, he's got something in that <laughs> yeah. pot. You want? Um It's it's so it's so from software though, isn't it? Like as soon as you see it, it's like, yep, that's they're doing their thing, pot boy.
1: Yeah, and there, I mean, I would love to see. Obviously, in this scene, we see a small one and a medium-sized one in the background, mm-hmm. but it'd be crazy to, if there was like. An NPC, or even for a covenant, a pop boy. Can you imagine a pop boy covenant where there's just one oh. huge pot that is what you present your covenant That's items kneeling, to, and like kneeling
3: before, yes, kneeling before offering,
1: it, yeah,
2: yeah, trying to enhance your loyalty. That that I would. Oh my god, I would sign up for the pop boy covenant right away. Yeah. Well, and and Leland, have you seen the screenshot they released? I think it was one of the screenshots Mitsu published. Of uh, the giant pop boy, there is a giant one. There's a screenshot of like one of these medium sized ones, and then and then a much much larger one. So yeah, they obviously oh, really? vary and and like size and scale uh, and and the one the the ones in that screenshot they're in a completely different location than what we're seeing here because like we were you know just talking about the torches and the black levels and this is a really dark looking dungeon yeah like, really really dark and then the other pop boys from that uh still shot there in like a garden or a courtyard yeah and
1: they're surrounding that um little like waypoint right. bonfire esque uh thing yeah. yeah that's right i have seen yeah that. it
2: might be like a little what like a little sliver of grace or something like we don't know exactly mm-hmm. what that is but yeah right. um so so yeah i think your your dream of big pop boys i think that one's coming true but i <laughs> yeah let's let's just manifest it pop boy covenant yeah. I'm, I'm joining pop boy covenant Yep, Absolutely.
1: PVP and PVE, Pop
2: Boy <laughs> Covenant. I'm on board. I'm loving it. Definitely. <laughs> I feel like uh, you know. I feel like, gosh, we should spend like a half hour on the Pop Boys here. But it's like, what else can you say? Like they're great. Yeah. Like, they're they're awesome, and we can't wait to see more. 100. Um, so as we go, so we have one more frame here right now of the Tarnished walking through this to me very mm-hmm. Demon Souls looking like palace of. Boletaria, even rem- reminiscent mm-hmm. maybe of the uh, even more than Boletaria, maybe the uh, tutorial area from Demon oh, yeah. Souls really makes me think mm-hmm. of that, like the, the those first dungeons you're navigating through and, you know, taking out your first enemies in that game. That's kind of what I think of here. But again, we see the Tarnished. It's got that sword over his shoulder, which I love. I love that stance. That's so cool. Got the mm-hmm. torch in the other hand. Uh, and I don't think it appears to be any other characters on screen.
1: Yeah, it's just us, I think. Um, yeah, to me, it's very just as far as like this, how spacious and how vaulted mm. the the room is. This is very um, profane capital, like main, like within the building right before Yorm. Um, yeah. That's the vibes I'm getting from this area, um, just with the huge vaulted ceilings and uh, even just the, the atmosphere in general just feels very profane capital.
2: Well, and we know uh, that Miyazaki has talked about the verticality in mm-hmm. Elden Ring. Like this, really does kind of feel like, on some level, a, a Dark Souls-style game post Sekiro. And we we know that there's going to be secret areas and maybe secret loot that you can only access through jumping, because there is just a you know straightforward jumping input in this game. Right. So. Again, going back to the cinematography, the pacing of this trailer that, you know, knowing he's like the master game designer being really careful and what he's showing us here. Um, This shot, just the framing of this shot is like a reminder that these are going to be, yeah, like tall vertical spaces. Um, Makes you wonder, like, almost looks like there might be like a little passageway to the left of the Tarnished here. Uh, Mm -hmm. We obviously have that gate up ahead and then maybe like another pathway off to the left of that gate. But yeah, it just makes Mm -hmm. you wonder, like, what's in here? It maybe looks like one of those uh, coverings is missing from this big hole oh, here. Yeah. You see that? Like, can we maybe drop yeah. down and this goes even deeper to me? This just gets me excited about the vertical level design. What do you,
1: what do you make of that? Totally. And that's reminiscent or that makes me think of like, you know, we're dropping from the profane capital down into that sewer area in uh, Ashina castle. Mm. Um you know, you drop down, you go underneath and you're kind of, you know, heading um, through this kind of damp, dark um, kind of sewer area maybe, I don't know, leading yeah. maybe potentially to, like, a secret route out of this dungeon or... Yeah, the the verdict... Having, like, new... That whole new element of verticality to, um, you know, a Souls game, like, this is definitely more... Um, in flavor of Dark Souls, 100%. So taking like the verticality of Sekiro and adding that Mm. to a world such as this is just, you know, my imagination is just going wild Mm with, you know, the potential. Oh, Um, yeah. yeah.
3: I'm
2: glad you mentioned Ashina Castle, too, because that is just one of my favorite areas, not just in Sekiro, but in all Mm. of Soulsborne. That is such a vertical space. It's like this... Mm -hmm. you know top to bottom playground especially as you progress throughout that game and you open up all you know all of the surrounding areas and all of the interior areas that is just such a cool open playground and i you you don't hear a lot of people talk about it that way but it really is and again i always try to go Mm -hmm. back like it's easier for me instead of just going down like some silly speculative lore rabbit hole of like what's elden ring going to give us i prefer to just go back to the old games and it's like i think our clues you know, lie in those old games, and think about Ashina Castle, like, Sekiro is not an open world game, but that is kind of an open little self-contained playground, and you can go from, you know, down in the moats and the dungeons all the way up to the rooftop where you have a pretty epic, you have more than one boss battle, actually, mm-hmm. so that's, it's, it's fun to look back to that and then imagine what we're in store for here.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: And we have it going all the way back to Sense Fortress, right? Sen's Fortress is sort of a predecessor to an uh, Ashina Castle, uh, top to right. bottom, and the boss battle's on top, and then you go even higher up to Anor Londo after the, the Golem boss battle. So um, that's always been there, right? These patterns in from Software's games, and it's so exciting to know that we're in store for that next iteration.
1: Yeah, and now we have, you know, the mechanics from Sekiro to traverse such areas, which... Mm-hmm. Something I think will be—it'll be interesting to see how that'll be translated into our player character in Elden Ring. Because obviously, Sekiro, we had the um, you know prosthetic tool to just grapple wherever. I'm really curious to see how we—if there's even you know that level of being able to just launch yourself up when you're in these dungeons when you don't have Yakult to you know make mm. those huge double jumps. How are we beyond just short jumping able to do big leaps like that? Or if that's even, um, a possibility in the game.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the jump we see at the very end of the trailer, uh, that final jump before Mm -hmm. that title card, um,
1: it's it's pretty big. It's it's it's, pretty big. yeah, yeah
2: it's, it's pretty big. And the jumping in Sekiro was pretty dramatic, too. So uh, yeah, I mean, aerial attacks and just hopping around. And uh, I mean, you, you can tell the roll speed is going to be really fast and snappy. I mean, I'm expecting like, if you want to if you want to run fast and jump high in Elden Ring, you're going to be able to play that way. And that'll be really fun. Now, Leland, what do you make of this this next frame? It, it sort of feels like we're maybe in the same area. Like I feel like by the time mm-hmm. we get to the Pop Boys, and then you know this this really nice tall shot that we were just talking about, and now this sort of catacomy area where we see the uh, you know Centipede King, whatever we want to call him here. Uh, what what are your thoughts on this area? I mean, we have arms and skulls wrapping around this pillar, cobwebs. This enemy is just so depraved looking. Uh, It feels scary. It makes me think of Bloodborne. Uh, Our tarnish still has that torch out, right? The background's really dark. We can make out a couple pillars, but this is a dark, dang, crazy place. What goes through your head when you're looking at these frames?
1: I think uh, what stood out to me most was the fact that our player character is still holding the torch. And I mean, we've seen them carry the torch throughout this whole area if this is in fact the same same part of the jun- dungeon mm-hmm. um, that within combat they're still holding the torch which kind of leads me to believe that they need that you know like maybe there is that level of you know dynamic lighting where if you didn't have the torch on you you wouldn't be able to see these enemies nearly as clearly you know um which is a really yeah, like
2: full fledged tomb of giants or something like Yeah. Blackout. Yeah. you don't have it. Right. Yeah.
1: So yeah, those were kind of my first impressions. Obviously the the is terrifying. Um very <laughs> reminiscent of the um in Eerothil dungeon, those centipede um monsters. Yep. I forget what they're called co- I forget what they're called exactly, but um, yeah, the sewer centipedes in Dark Souls 3. But yeah, mixed with some more bloodborne kind of more gruesome elements
2: for sure for sure yeah i'm getting a lot of like irithyll dungeon kind of just vibes like we were saying profane capital um really getting that vibe from from these shots and we were talking about this i think it might have been in episode eight with zozuba but we were talking about this idea that uh you know, we know there's are six areas in the game, six distinct areas, um, six mm-hmm. main demigod bosses. I'm guessing at a bare minimum, that's probably like if you're speedrunning the game. I'm guessing you're at least going to have to knock out those six bosses, and then whatever endgame content lies beyond. But. It seems like in these different areas we're seeing in the trailer, um, you know, like Albert was saying, there even appears to be some kind of imagery on those cobblestones. Uh, we can certainly see banners, like mounted banners, throughout the trailer. Those have symbols mm-hmm. on them. Uh, you can see in some of the Famitsu screenshots, you know, these these symbols or symbols or emblems on some of these knight characters. So we were kind of theorizing, like, maybe each of the six areas, you know, you kind of have unique enemies in each area, enemies that are, you know, ultimately loyal to that area's demigod, and maybe they even take on certain qualities, of those demigod bosses, like you're getting just a little preview of what you're in store for. So I I wonder like that, that chamber that we were talking about with the limbs dangling and, and now this enemy, like, is this the, the realm? Is this the one of six realms that belongs to the many armed King? What do you think about
3: that?
1: Yeah, I think this trailer does a really good job of, and I think it's just that I think this is all kind of like one, one of those areas kind of cohesively represented um through all these different snippets of because after after this section um we hit to me what feels like kind of the um kind of like the yorm or not not yorm excuse me like the vort um to um mm-hmm. like a later boss we get the the kind of gate guardian demon boss that we see mm-hmm. um and i think they're kind of like the gatekeeper to the, um, the castle where the many armed King is, um, and perhaps this dungeon that we've been in kind of leads up. We eventually make our way up out of this dungeon to face this gate demon and then pass him through the castle to then fight, um, the many armed King. So I think it's just kind of very cohesive showing and display of, um, path through one of these yeah one of these areas definitely right
2: well and that kind of gets back to what albert was saying earlier about maybe maybe we're actually not seeing a ton of the game in this yeah. trailer and we're not seeing a ton of bosses and areas and i i think you're probably right yeah we're, we're kind of getting a look at the buildup to that boss battle and some of the areas that proceed and i want to ask you about you know these next couple frames here because there's mm-hmm. some interesting combat animations and this isn't the only time we see it in the trailer so as we like slowly advance here we'll just call him our centipede king he mm-hmm. right he kind of stands up he he actually reminds me of the gaping dragon a little bit when he stands up like that from dark oh, souls yeah. one and then totally. you know, he, he, he comes down and again we see this a few times in the trailer but our our tarnished player character appears to block the attack with his sword it doesn't seem mm-hmm. to be like a full-fledged parry but he just kind of absorbs that hit and then goes into like a power strike of his own. And that's making me wonder, like since we see that more than once in the trailer, is this again, like a Dark Souls game post Sekiro, where, you know, depending on your build, depending on the enemy, if you don't have a shield and you're just gonna stand there and eat an enemy's attack and like Dark Souls right. one or Dark Souls two, you're probably gonna get wrecked, right? Yeah. Like you're gonna get wrecked. That's not gonna work out well for you. But again, post Sekiro. What do you think about, you know, maybe not needing a shield in a situation like this? And, and maybe you catch just a little bit of damage, like a little bit of chip damage, but maybe there's like, you know, they're not just doing this because it looks cool. Maybe there's a, a good reason. Maybe the player would actually be motivated to block an attack with the melee weapon. What do you with think about With just a
1: sword. I think that's, yeah. a really, that's a really good take, honestly, because Sekiro, we saw, no, sh- obviously, you have your katana, that's it. Oh yeah, no um, yeah, no shields whatsoever. So, I don't know. Maybe this is kind of, yeah, the the next step in that combat system where, you know, we just saw this character, they only had the torch in their offhand. So now they're going into two-handing their greatsword and they don't feel compare- compelled to, you know, sacrifice some of the power of that sword by then swapping out their torch for a shield. Instead, you can just go right into two-hand still have some of that blocking capability and then just go all out on the offensive, which is really encouraging to see rather than pulling up the shields, you know, faster paced combat, you know, more bloodborne reminiscent Sekiro reminiscent um, two dark souls, you know, dark souls three is obviously a lot was the fastest combat um, in that trilogy. But mm-hmm. it, this is, I think this is very encouraging to see for, um and promising to see for what the combat speed is gonna be like in this game.
2: Sure. Well, in Leland, you know, like just let's just take the Dark Souls trilogy, for example. Like, you know what good gameplay footage looks like and what bad gameplay footage mm-hmm. looks like. You know what I, it looks like to, in in that that uh, doesn't even uh, doesn't even matter what kind of character build you're using. You know when it like looks good and when it looks clunky. And I mm-hmm. cannot imagine that From Software is going to show us like the wrong way to play in their big right. gameplay reveal trailer, right? Like the, the Tarnish taking that shot, it feels like that's a hint. Like they're showing us, hey, this is how you can play and maybe even how we're going to encourage you to play. And then mm-hmm. what do you think about this next animation? It almost looks like maybe a stagger or like visceral hit uh, coming oh, yeah. up here next with that big blood, that big spray of blood. Yeah, uh, It's definitely almost like our, our Tarnish kind of impales the centipede king and then just drags the sword out of his face. And we get that great kind of bloodborne esque splatter. Uh, yeah. What, what are you thinking as you're looking at these animations and, and these attacks?
1: hundred yeah. percent, you know, a riposte, post, um, which to me means we're definitely getting parries, like the parries have to yep. stay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's super cool to see such a visceral um post attack. And then in this, you know, we've been focusing on the combat and there hasn't been much in the background um, Mm -hmm. or setting, but in this scene in particular where we get the ride post, there's like a a glimmer in the background that looks like it could either be um, an item or maybe one of those um, waystone checkpoint things that we saw with the the two pop boys were hanging out around. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's like a, you know, bonfire for this game or if it's just an item, but, I just thought that was an interesting detail that they added. And and Leland, are you at
2: 112? I'm at 112. It says emboldened by the flame of ambition. That blood is just about to spray. And kind of in that top left corner, you can see that glow.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well,
2: and then how about the structure beyond that little glowing orb? Like you can't tell like, are these, is is it like a tree or branches? Is it like a pile of bodies or skeletons or is it stone? You can't quite make out, but something, something's up there.
1: Yeah, and just to the right of the the column that's in the the foreground, um, just behind the enemy that we're fighting, to the right of that, it almost appears as though there's a cave or something that we can then further mm-hmm. explore. So yeah, there's a lot more to this scene than just the combat that I didn't pick up pick up on uh, initially
2: yeah and i'm not under the impression that this is like a proper boss battle either i think this yeah, is it, it almost seems like maybe this is just an instance in which you're encountering a pretty heavy enemy for the first time um mm-hmm. and and i also love seeing how there's nothing else around right like that's uh we've we've riffed a little bit about our shared appreciation our shared soft spot for ds2 and that's mm-hmm. you know one of the very standard criticisms leveled against DS2 is just like too much cut and paste with the same enemies, right? Just small room, ton of enemies and uh, yeah. I mean that's totally fair, and uh it's it's definitely more of a problem in that game than I would say any of the other games. But what I like that being said is I don't really see anybody else around. I mean maybe our tarnished player character here has just you know slayed everything else in the room, and this is the only guy left you know a little bit of kind of combat chess, like being careful about which pieces you get off the board. But I don't know. Like, even in a big room, this guy still looks pretty intimidating. Like this could be a handful. Like, again, it could be Miyazaki showing us, like, yeah, you're gonna want to get this really specific attack in on this guy, or he's gonna wreck mm. you.
1: Right. And yeah, we we don't exactly get a good feel for the speed that he has either. I mean, he has so many limbs. Maybe in this instance, there's a reason why he's the only one there is because you can't just bolt for the door bolt into that cave necessarily because this guy's gonna gain on you he's got all these limbs he's got he'll come after you you know yeah spider-like um, almost
2: pursue yeah. you maybe around this room and mm. almost yeah maybe kind of like a mini boss or something yeah it's hard to say but he's yeah super scary super intimidating i think those legs like all the all the uh limbs kind of gets to like our human fear of spiders right like we when, when you're like a kid And, you know, you get bitten by a spider, you encounter a spider for the first time, like you're afraid of the spider and you don't even know why, because it's like in our coding, right? right? It's like evolution. And, you know, this guy is just going to terrify you the second you see him in this room. And again, I think Miyazaki's kind of showing us the right way to play here. It's like, yeah, as scary as this guy is, though, you kind of need to get right in his face and take the fight to him. And Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, do you suppose we're seeing kind of like a, almost like a charged R2 here? You know, that big sweeping hit with that sword and then he goes into that yeah like that great that great finisher but oh i just i love it man yeah like that's that's a big part of what i'm like i'm just total combat person so when i'm watching the trailer i'm looking at the animations i'm looking at the speed and like you said though we don't get to quite see the speed of this enemy though so that's pretty interesting Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i think um yeah it's definitely it's definitely either charge r2 um, and it'd be cool if we could do charge attacks right into like a rye post potentially. Yes. Um, but yeah, just this being the first, obviously, at the beginning of this section, we had, um, you know, that upward slash, the mounted attack. But this is like the real, you know, this was our first taste of yep. combat in Elden Ring, was this moment seeing this trailer. This is our first little taste of combat in Elden Ring. So this will always be kind of a special little. Little moment um, in all of our journeys with with Elden Ring was just this first introduction to combat.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And and one last thought I have on this is kind of the point you just made there, like almost veering into like combination territory a little bit because I feel like it's one of those things Miyazaki's been inching closer and closer toward, like almost like proper little combos in the games because like Mm -hmm. even in Bloodborne, just adding transformation attacks really changed the way that you can play that game. Like there are certain people, they'll play through all of Bloodborne and they'll never do transformation attacks, even if they're using, you know, basic weapon like the Saw Cleaver, But if you start incorporating transformation attacks and start experimenting around, like you can really elevate the way you play that game. Like throwing a Molotov, doing an R1, doing a transformation. Like it's, there's so much um, flexibility even just within Bloodborne. And then you see Sekiro with like, You know, you're, you have the posture system, you're attacking, you're defending, you're throwing in like a Makiri counter. It's so, you know, like I I sometimes describe Sekiro as like a dance. Like when you're playing, you get into that flow state with Sekiro, when you're comfortable and you're confident and you're having fun, it's sort of like a dance, you know, it's like less like a fight and it's more like a dance with your enemy. And I'm hoping we see a little bit more And I would expect. We'd see a little bit of that carry over into Elden Ring too with the ways in which these attacks string together and we know we're going to have 100 weapon skills in the game, which is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, what do you make of that? Like leading a little more toward that, like, you know, easy to pick up and play, but there will be that deeper combat system there if you want to try to master it.
1: Right. And I think, I don't know, I'm just excited to see, um, see how our character um, like moves in combat spe- more specifically, like, how necessary rolling is in this game because obviously with sekiro we had dodges but you're more enticed to deflect or you know like we see in this clip block um obviously moving horizontally will obviously pose certain advantages and disadvantages but yeah your your thought of you know how some of these combos might come into play in the combat of this game um, could totally change how you know our muscle memory of you know hitting the B button, hitting you know going going for the roll might not be um, you know might not always be where our mind goes to anymore. Um, we might start to deflect, um, which is interesting because that's yeah specifically thinking through the scope of. Um, Dark Souls, you know, you're way more prone to roll than to block for the most part. And yeah, I don't know. And then, especially having 100 plus new skills is so exciting um, for the combat side of things. Like, I'm just so, I'm just so ready for PvP specifically. Like, it's just going to be, oh, the PvP scene is going to be crazy for this game. I'm calling it now. It's just going to be like, I don't know. I'm just so excited to see how people take to PVP with all these new skills and how the combat system is going to go down.
2: Oh, sure. Absolutely. And Leland, I actually, I feel like this would be a good opportunity to ask you because we're getting to basically like our last second or two here where we're almost at the end of the trailer. So, so on that note and and because that does kind of feel like the big ending here is we really Mm -hmm. get to see combat for the first time, like boots on the ground combat. Um, I can't remember if we if I had asked you about this on your stream at any point, but do you mm. have uh, like a go-to build or play style that you feel most comfortable with um, in these games?
1: Um, Specifically for like if I'm doing PvP or if I'm doing invasions, um, I'm not super like well-versed in like the meta when it comes to PvP. I love watching people who just that's all they do is PvP. Um, but a lot of my builds are definitely more, uh, strength builds. You know, you mentioned the, the makeup of souls guy, the one that I clicked with was souls guy who says, they'll do a different build this time and does a strength build anyways. <laughs> 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 like that is me to a T like I'm, yeah, I'm just really big into strength. Um, great swords are and ultra great swords are my best friend. So um, yeah, specifically for my first playthrough of Elden Ring, I'm definitely planning on doing strength, getting the biggest and baddest looking weapon, and yeah, that's going to be my main my main build. How um, about you? What are you thinking for your first playthrough or how you foresee your PvP and PvP, PvE experience being?
2: Right. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, see, that's what I've been wondering. And that it was interesting to hear you say, like, you know, you're just going to go to your comfort zone. Like mm-hmm. you, you know how to put together a strength, that strength build. You want some big dragon bone smasher-esque weapon <laughs> and you're just going to go around bonking guys. And like, that's, yeah, like that, that's sick. And like, I totally yeah. understand that. And that's what I'm wondering myself. Like I'm, very much like sort of dex endurance build like shieldless dexterity build Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if that's what i'm gonna do like i i wonder if like my first playthrough of this game shouldn't be weird like if i shouldn't just make some weird kind of soul of cinder a little bit of everything or like just go totally off the wall and make a weird magic summonable spirits build um yeah, I'm, pro- I don't know. It's so tempting to just go with what you know, though, like go with what you're comfortable with. And like, for me, I want to uh, dabble in speed running and I really want to slow myself down with Elden Ring. Like at least at
3: first, mm-hmm. Like I don't want
2: to feel like, okay, I got to find like these fast, efficient paths through the game. I'm looking for shortcuts. I'm looking for this or that. I really want to feel my way through the game. Like that first playthrough. I just want to roam around. I want to explore. I want to have fun. I want to experiment and yeah i I don't know like for pvp and pve i don't we haven't gotten a lot of details almost none uh, about pvp so i am wondering how that's going to work and i have seen this kind of goes back to the conversation we were having earlier about uh the the spirits and like that kind of pokemon uh comparison and Mm -hmm. and i've seen some people complain about that like they're worried about this and they're worried about the direction it's going in and it's like well look if you don't want to go out and collect and use summonable spirits you don't have to like you don't have to play the game that way and then the counter argument would be like well people i'm going up against in pvp will be using those spirits and it's like well then use them like I don't know what to tell you, or figure out how to beat people, because you know that'll be a thing, right? Like you doing PvP, you got your spirits, you have magic, and you have some big dragon bone smasher and enough strength to use it, and then some guy in a loincloth shows up and wrecks you. Like that's going to be a thing, (laughs) right? He's not going to use magic, he's not going to use spirits, and he's still going to get you. That's going to be a thing in Elden Ring. So I'm excited, Mm -hmm. right? You never know. I feel like more than ever before, it's going to be so fun just to see, like who the heck are you going up against in PvP? What do they look like? like? What are they using? Is that kind of what you're thinking?
1: Yeah, and that's kind of like what I was saying before is like I'm not well-versed in the meta and there's obviously going to be optimal builds and people are going to, you know, really key in on that and create the most, you know, be a terror on PvP. But that's not exactly what I'm interested in for my own personal experience with PvP, you know, like... I just want to have fun with it. Like I want to go into PvP wearing, you know, yeah, wearing a linen cloth with this big gut sword, and just seeing what how I can do. It. <laughs> you know, kind of like you were there at the end of one of my streams for the deprived build, and I just decided I was like, you know, what? I'm going to cap off the stream with some invasions with my deprived. You know, like I'm not going to do well more than likely against people running, you know, meta builds, but I'm still going to have fun doing it, and if I win great if i die it'll probably be hilarious like
2: <laughs> right and you were well, in fun. i'm trying to jog mm-hmm. my memory you were in like the swamp at the bottom of the road of sacrifice yep right yeah. and and, and gonna... like Wolves of Farin and like that, that yep. area is such a crazy PVP arena. You just, and I love how active the community still is. Like in 2021, mm-hmm. you fire up Dark Souls three and you go to that part of the game and <laughs> you dive into PVP, you're going to get some crazy action like immediately. And it's so fun to watch. Yeah. I, I did enjoy catching that at the end of your stream. So you're, you're a pretty big PVP, PvP player. Then you do enjoy that aspect of the games.
1: Yeah. I, I, Initially, my first playthroughs, I was very, very PVE. Like, I pretty much just care about my own experience within this world. And, like, if I get invaded, that's fine. But I didn't really participate in invasions too much. But the more I played and the the more experiences I had with players either invading me or, you know, summoning help throughout, you know, my travels through Lothric or you know, you just start to appreciate the multiplayer. Like, I feel like that's something some people overlook or don't exactly need, which is fine. But that's something that grew on me, definitely. And I'm looking forward to just as much as I am the story, the lore, the bosses, you know, my my own PvE experience is obviously going to be the focal point, but mm-hmm. playing and experiencing that with other players doing weird stuff fun stuff you (laughs) you learn about different builds you know it's cool to see what other people are you know using um you know you invade into someone who isn't experienced at all you can choose to just you know wreck them or be nice and like help them out a little bit and like show them the way even as an invader like there it just adds a whole another level of um context to a player's journey through you know elden ring
2: oh sure absolutely and you know what you were saying got me thinking that like especially in the first couple weeks with the game because we know there will be a day when the elden ring wiki will be totally fleshed out right every Mm -hmm. weapon optimization path um every location of every weapon skill uh, if they're static locations in the game and they're not, you know, randomized on some level, which would actually be pretty interesting. But like, imagine in those first couple of weeks with the game, and you're doing PvP, and somebody comes at you and they have a weapon you don't recognize. They're using a crazy weapon skill you've never seen before. And right to your point, it's even like less about the frustration of maybe they wreck you, and it's more like I want that weapon and I yeah. want that weapon skill. Like that, there will be this interesting process of discovery because this game is going to be so wide in its design right
1: mm-hmm. yeah I mean there'll be a lot of weapons that I mean same with like even Dark Souls 3 I'm, I'm just thinking about my first playthrough and then going on to 100% it with that same character like all of the weapons and rings and everything that I had to go back through several new games plus cycles just to go find let alone use um, and it's just gonna be that times 100 For Elden Ring, like the PvP is going to be a great way to like experience weapons that your chances are you might not ever see during your first playthrough. So,
2: oh sure, sure, and I mean that that gets me thinking to like, you know, a spell like warmth in Dark Souls Three, which is one of those infamous hard to get spells if you're trying to 100% the game, get the platinum trophy, whatever. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it makes you wonder. Like, that's my suspicion: is this game is going to be like a pretty hard platinum trophy it's going to be pretty hard to 100 to get that final achievement because who knows what's hidden throughout this world and what you might have to do to find it um and and from software has always leaned toward uh trophies and achievements that are tied to pvp and covenants which is interesting so i wonder if we'll see that again i don't think miyazaki's actually commented on that i mean he's talked about like online pve groups but he's not really gotten into pvp and i don't think he's explicitly talked about covenants either um just as we're again kind of like winding down here what's your take on that i mean you think covenants are like a lock there's gonna be covenants in this game
1: i personally would hope so um it's yeah especially being so into pvp that i am like covenants just bring so much flavor to pvp they give incentive to even engage with it at all like um like yeah with the watchdogs affair and you know you're protecting a, a realm like it's part of your you know your your character it becomes part of your um your personal tale to join these covenants and i think it would be yeah it would just makes sense and it, it adds to your character's development to connect on some deeper level while doing pvp So I think, yeah, covenants are for sure. This is my manifestation going back to our, going back to our pot boy. um, You know, we're, we're, it's just going to happen. We're we're definitely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Pot boy covenant
1: uh, is locked in. I'm joining. I'm joining. (laughs) I'm
2: I'm picturing like the little emblem too, like the little covenant logo. I want that in the top corner of my screen while I'm playing.
1: Definitely, um, but
2: you know, and I always felt like that's why from software has, you know, if you're trying to 100% the game, get that last achievement, get that last trophy That's why they've required you. You know, they don't require casual players who just maybe want to try to get to the credits once. You don't have to delve into PvP and covenants, but if you want to 100% the game, you're going to have to at least dip your toes into those waters. And I always liked that. Like, Mm. they're showing you, hey, this is a huge part of our game. Like, we designed this. This is an option for you. It's there. It's this whole other side of the game that maybe you've never experienced before. So, you know, some people get cranky about how long it can take to, you know, get that last achievement, get that last trophy. And, and some right. of these games but i always kind of appreciated that you know they're like hey we designed this game this is a legitimate part of the game we want you to at least experience it and if you don't like it you know get your trophy get your achievement and move on
1: yeah totally some of my fondest memories are grinding for sword grass or you know yep. grinding for concords kept you know like yeah it can be tedious but um there's a way of doing it if you aren't into pvp you can sit there and grind enemies whatever um or you can you know get out of your comfort zone a little bit and find this whole other aspect of the game that you might have been missing out on that you might end up falling in love with
2: right absolutely yeah absolutely well and i think maybe last we'll, we'll put a pin in it but like that's what I think those parts of these games like dark souls three comes to mind. Cause that's, that's my personal favorite. seems that's your personal favorite mm-hmm. as well, which, yep. uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And like dark souls three, sometimes people will complain. Okay. It's a really grindy to 100% that game, right. Getting you yeah. know, these, these items you have to get, but I feel like, that game is just so much fun. And I just love being in that world. And I love the refined gameplay that I don't really care what I'm doing in Dark Souls 3. Like it doesn't even matter. Like yes. if I'm playing Dark Souls 3, I'm happy, yes. right? And, and I feel like sometimes that's lost. And I mean, people who get it, get it, obviously. Like, I don't need to explain that to you, but yeah, you know, some people it's it's of course, you know, different uh, tastes for different people. But
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, for me, like those, and, and I think especially for like newer players to the game, trying to get those achievements and trophies can like help you connect with the game in that kind of way. Like, yeah, maybe you're trying to get the sword grass and it seems kind of frustrating and annoying at first, but like eight hours in you're like, oh wow, I'm I'm just like playing the game now though. I'm in like a flow state. Like I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just playing this game. I'm learning the world design. I'm learning the AI. I'm, I'm learning how to better use my own weapons and, and just I'm better understanding movement and evasive maneuvers and combat. And I'm just like having fun. Like I'm getting better at this game. So I always think that's like this sort of cool unsung, uh, secret behind some of those hard, you know, trophies and achievements. And, um, it seems like you've probably had a similar experience with, with the games as well.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. I, <laughs> Some of my fondest memories, again, just first playthrough, spent hours upon hours just grinding souls off Lawthric Knights, and like was <laughs> loved every minute of it. And like I don't know, it yeah, it's yeah, it's just a part of the game that is something you can come to appreciate just by like you said, you're you're playing the, you're just in the game, you're in the worlds doesn't exactly matter what you're doing i just yeah also fell in love with just being in dark souls 3 like it was just right. where i was what i was doing whatever was happening on screen regardless like here i am dark souls 3 loving every minute of it so right it looks I, good
2: I, it feels good it sounds good you're having fun
1: yeah and that i think that'll be reflected tenfold and elden ring oh, um, yeah. but yeah let's um
2: yeah let's do it let's do i guess what what do we have like a second last, or two here
1: yeah, um, last we frame, have really
2: we have the shot yeah we have the shot of the tarnished uh beginning to walk up into this uh ruined castle and then our last frame is you know i think We've we've taken to calling this guy the fungal lord, making a pursuer like entrance here pretty dramatically. That's kind of yeah. where where it ends. So I'm just gonna let you run with this. Like these these it's it's a little more than two frames, but these uh this last second, like I guess we're at like one fifteen going into one sixteen here. What do you make of this?
1: Just wow. Like <laughs> this was the moment in the trailer for me at least. Um, cause it was cool, like seeing, cause there was a lot of scenery in the first, you know, minute within the first minute was like a lot of exploring the world. Then we start to get into, you know, at the beginning of our section, see mounted combat going through dungeons. Then we are introduced to combat with, um, that centipede monster. And now boom, here's your boss. Like, this is what you guys want. Here's your first boss that you're gonna look at, and um, I know we're kind of maybe cheating into 116 a little bit. Oh, but, it's
2: fine, cheat away.
1: But man, that impact of him just flying down out of nowhere with this giant plunging attack, and again, you see the multi, the multi legs, um, multi appendaged being. So this is definitely same. At least to me, this is the same part of the world, and yeah, we encounter our first, our first boss. I don't know, just so cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I mean, this was the part in the trailer, like when I saw. And again, we're, we're, we're cheating, but it, I mean, it's hard to talk about the boss's entrance at that kind of like 115 116 mark and then not yeah, just talk like about just him a little bit there. right like got to give him got to give him his 15 minutes here of yeah. like <laughs> i mean when i saw the player character's roll speed i saw that evasive role. you again mm. you, you see that that kind of sword shield up you know that uh, i don't know if that's L1, I, I mean, I, I don't know how this is actually going to work in the game, but it appears to be a defensive stance with that that big sword up, um, trying to absorb some shots. But yeah, I mean, it looks so fast. I mean, it just looks, it, it, it makes you think of Bloodborne. It makes you think of DS3. Uh, but I'm kind of hoping, Leland, like to what we were talking about earlier, I know, and you'll probably be the same, when when you sit down to play Elden Ring for the first time, you're going to want to play it like Dark Souls 3. Like you're oh, going to yeah. have Dark yep. Souls three on the brain, you're going to have Dark Souls three muscle memory, and I think certainly we can expect some degree of that in the final product. Like we would want some degree of that in the final product, but I hope that we get punished for that just a little bit, you know. Like I hope, yeah. I hope the game has a couple things to teach us that we're not ready for. Just like maybe not quite as dramatically as Sekiro did, where you know yeah, you so go I was Sekiro, say Dark Sekiro. Souls. yeah, Dark Souls style. Like we all got wrecked. We none of yep. us knew what was going on, but um yeah i mean are you kind of like vibing with me on that like hopefully you pick up that controller like controller in hand you're running in first combat sequence and it's kind of like oh wait this like this feels familiar it kind of looks like dark souls 3 but it's not
1: right which is yeah like i was saying earlier with with rolling specifically like maybe this boss because he's got the big um like hammer type thing you know he's definitely going to roll punish, you know, you know, like your first right. instinct will be to just constantly be rolling around him and maybe, you know, you'll lose some of those iframes frames or something like that um, to where no, you should actually be more like Sekiro where you're engaging weapon to weapon or you know, blocking a little bit more because once, you know, my first play through Dark Souls 3, I was very you know, maybe more enticed to use a shield but the more and more you play Dark Souls, you're not using a shield to block like you're rolling um right. so it'd be it'd be interesting for them to yeah it's like I'd
2: rather save this weight increase the speed of my character learn the enemy AI and then maybe I actually yep. have an advantage I mean not to say that there aren't you know reasons to use shield sometimes but like sure sure yeah yeah that's yeah th- those are those are really good thoughts and I I thought I'd be curious on your take on this the, mm. and again we're we're totally che- we're, we're we're cheating uh kind yeah, not this is home. like the next... AWOL, terror's yeah. <laughs> taking yeah. over. We're cheating a little bit and it's just cuz you know, excited to talk to you man and I know you love Dark Souls 3. Oh, yeah. When you look at when you look at that roll speed. So I guess we're seeing it I'm trying to actually look at the timer here. Maybe like 124. We we get it. To me, I love the speed. The speed is so sick. Like I'm just salivating yep. over the speed of that evasive roll. It does not though, to me, look like Dark Souls three evasive role. It much more reminds me of Demon's Souls. In Demon's Souls, I feel like your player character is more grounded, you know, almost like he's like more rooted to the earth. And then like Bloodborne in DS3, your character gets a little more floaty. And that omnidirectional rolling in DS3, I love it. I mean, it's like my favorite evasive maneuver in all of Soulsborne, but it's, it's kind of floaty. Like it's fast, but it feels very floaty to me. And this, I don't know. Like when I see this, I'm thinking more Demon Souls. It's a little more grounded. Uh, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, as I'm watching it, um, we because you've to rolled kind of... so
2: many times in DS3, you know what that feels like. <laughs> you know what that looks yeah.
1: like. Yeah, even just frame by frame, um, you know the the boss is throwing this like knife, this like spectral knife at you, mm-hmm. um. You start the roll and then he immediately comes in. So I feel like this roll catching idea might even this might kind of be representing that theory is boom. You roll straight into an attack and he's blocking. You see he rolls right into blocking, which is something almost unheard of in Dark Souls. Like that's something you just would never do. You roll to evade and either heal or attack. But you roll into an attack, which or you roll into a block here, which I think is really fascinating.
2: Mm-hmm. It, yeah, we're seeing that emphasis again on that melee weapon block, and it's again goes back to the point about the roll speed itself like it is so fast and it's not floaty like it is in DS3 you're you're right. closer you appear to be, your player character appears to be a little closer to the earth while he's rolling here and he springs up a lot faster too mm-hmm. and yeah able to go right into that and that's what i was saying almost like a soft combo kind of right like roll block attack like i, yeah. I imagine there's there's such amazing potential there for what we're going to be able to do with this combat system but I also wonder because we're hearing a lot of talk about well, Elden, uh, you know, Elden ring's is going to be easier. We're afraid it's going to be easier. I don't know, man. I would argue that DS3's more floaty role, as fast and as satisfying as it is, you get a lot more iframes with that than you might get with mm-hmm. this roll right here. This again, like I said, it reminds me a little more of Demon Souls. I mean, if you have the Karthus Milk Ring on in DS3 and you know enemy AI and you're able to roll effectively, it's yeah. iframes galore, right? Like you yep. are basically untouchable. Yep. And I don't know if that's gonna be, I mean, at least on, based on what we're seeing here, I don't know that uh, Miyazaki gonna be as generous with the iframes this time around. I could of course be wrong, but that's right. just my read on what we're seeing. What do you think? Am I kind of maybe thinking that along the same lines?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I think we're we're in agreement here. Um, I th- the more I look at this block right out of the roll, maybe maybe you could have double rolled through this. I mean, chances are that's very plausible, but I don't know. Just the intention of showing maybe it's just for the cinematic of having that spark and the the clash of weapons, but I don't know. There's I think there might be some sort of mechanical. They're alluding to some sort of mechanic here of rolling into a block. There being some sort of advantage there um, rather than just double rolling. So,
2: Right. Well, and Miyazaki said, this is like one of my biggest question marks around the game is that stamina is going to be present, but it's not going to play as big of a role. It's not going to have as right. much influence over combat. So that really makes me wonder because these games in ways like a boss battle, for example, you could almost think of like a, a stamina management game Right, your attacks consume stamina. Your evasive maneuvers consume stamina. Um, you're just constantly managing that stamina, and if your stamina gets low, you're probably going to get wrecked. So it's it's interesting to me to, to think of that having less influence. But you know what will that look like? And I'm and I'm wondering based on some of your observations here, like that roll into the block. We saw a couple similar moves string together with that centipede king enemy,
1: and mm. I'm wondering
2: if it will just all be sort of compensated for. Like perhaps from software will almost be asking us to pull off more maneuvers than previous. Like maybe our stamina Mm. meter will be larger or it will deplenish more slowly. However, we're going to be asked to do a little bit more in combat and that could be really exciting.
1: Right. Yeah, I think it's almost... I I totally agree that um, like managing your stamina bar is going to make... The combat feel so much more different from Dark Souls 3. Um, and yeah, I think that's that might be where we get punished for going back to those old habits, is within that stamina management um, and trying to figure out how to... I mean, maybe that's why this player chose to roll into block was because they're already, I don't know, maybe using too much stamina to what their next attack is going to be. And maybe blocking was the right move there. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that management changes, the stamina management changes um for Elden Ring.
2: Yeah, I mean it's straightforward enough in like DS3 that if you're speedrunning, I mean, depending on how you're doing it, but generally speaking, if you're speed running that game, when you go up against UDEX Gundeer the first time, you know exactly how many R1s you need to hit mm-hmm. him with. You know, based on how much, you know, stamina, how much endurance you're starting that game with. And I'm just wondering if like, that's a way in which Elden Ring will feel like more advanced. Than even a game like Dark Souls 3, which is pretty advanced and it's combat and AI. Like it might not, it, it just might not be that simple. Like, okay, I gotta get like seven R1s and I have to do an R2 and like a charged attack. And I mean, it might just be a little more involved. But that's yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens to just get get my hands on this game and run around and like, well, jumping requires stamina, probably. Maybe again, maybe we're just right. gonna be asked to do more. And that's why the stamina is gonna feel like it's more abundant or something. But Leland I don't know like we're pretty much here at the end is there anything yeah. any other thoughts you have as like we're just kind of rounding this out like we have pretty much covered our 15 seconds I feel like this was a dense 15 seconds
1: yeah um, there was a lot of all your thoughts
2: here. throughout this like some really good observations anything else we
1: didn't hit on Um, I think I mean I think we about covered it as far as um, kind of my input and my analysis to the 15 seconds we just looking through my notes here, we kind of covered covered all the points I really wanted to really wanted to hit.
2: I also have to say, Leland, I love that you have notes. Like I respect that. that's <laughs> oh, yeah, so awesome. That's so few, cool. Few and all due notes. respect to our previous <laughs> guests, I just I think you're the first <laughs> to come in with notes. Like you came in ready to go.
1: I'm dead. Absolutely, it. I had to come had to come prepared. <laughs> had to come
2: prepared. Right. Well, before we wrap up, which I'm I'm not sure if Albert will be able to join to join us again or not. It seems like maybe something Mm -hmm. family related came up. You had to hop off kind of abruptly, but um, Leland, you know how the podcast works. If before we Mm -hmm. wrap up, uh, we got to do a little rapid fire Q and a.
1: Yes. In (laughs) in fact, in my notes, in my notes, I have it as you know what time it is, as you put it, Tara's extremely unfathomably popular (laughs) fan favorite segment, rapid fire Q and a,
2: that's right. That's right. I mean, just—they, You know, we have such great engagement. People make it through two, three hours. They have to. They have, have to make to. it.
1: They know what's coming.
2: They know what's coming. Right. Right. <laughs> so so we're at that point. I don't have Albert to do a little jingle for me, but he's got the magic of editing. Post.
3: He, yeah, post. yeah that, That's what
2: post-production's for, right? <laughs> but okay, it's that time. And you know how it works. These are basically softballs. I want your subjective opinion. This isn't like objective, you know, statement. I'm just interested in your opinion, and uh, feel free to elaborate as much or as little as you'd like on these answers. So
1: right. I'm so ready. Okay. Leland,
2: <laughs> Sekiro was the first from software game you told me you properly played through and experienced firsthand. Yeah. Do you remember? At what point during that initial run through Sekiro, you realized, oh my God, this is amazing. This is on a whole other level. I need more from software in my life ASAP. Was there a moment during that first Sekiro playthrough?
1: There totally was. And I think part of it was running into the Ogre, the chained Ogre at first, because that was my first like real experience with a mini boss. But what really did it for me was Gyobu um gyobu is easily hands down my favorite boss in sekiro i think he you know doesn't get the respect he deserves i think he's one of the best designed bosses his arena is insane and yeah duking it out with gyobu as like a new to miyazaki individual i was just floored with that battle and that's what really really brought me in gyobu my
2: guy yeah. i love that yeah i'm totally with, that's a great answer i'm totally with you too like underrated boss mm. and i kind of feel like Yobu has that sort of vort he kind of plays that vort yep. role right Where like not totally. a, like objectively the best boss in the game but that kind of mm. like oh like crap like i'm in a miyazaki game like this is happening something big and mean is coming at me right now And I love that. Like when he rolls in on that horse and he's screaming and he's waving that spear scythe around, like you're, you are on your heels the first time you're playing through that.
1: Yeah. That's when I knew it just, it all just came together. It all clicked and I was just completely sucked in and yeah. But yeah, like, like you said, not, not the most difficult boss. Like now, you know, one or two tries um, Mm. going, you know, during a playthrough, but the first time, you know, took me, took me several tries for sure. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what got me used to that whole idea of you're not always going to prevail. Like that's part of the, part of the structure of these games is you're going to duke it out and you got to learn, you got to adapt. And yeah, that's made, what made me fall in love with the bosses and souls games.
2: That's awesome. I love that answer. And yeah, that boss, it's so cool because it's like a teaching moment in the game. Right. Like that that boss teaches you how to like move and use the environment and how to be aggressive and not be afraid. Like, yeah, it's so it's such a great opening boss. Yeah, absolutely in agreement, man. Doesn't get enough credit. So, all right, Leland. What is your single favorite boss battle from each of the three Dark Souls games? One boss per game. Try not to overthink it,
1: just go for it. Okay, so DS1. It just has to be ONS. Like it just has to. Like, that's my favorite. Every every playthrough I do of Dark Souls One, it's ONS. If I had to pick something else, maybe I mean Gwyn is just also very you feel very triumphant. But yeah, DS one, I'm going ONS. DS two, gotta go demon a song. Frog boy. Frog boy is best boy. Not not the best. I battle, like it.
2: Like, out of left field, demon of song. Out of left of
1: field, demon of song. Like, the, my first interaction with song. Make a demon note now. Was... This
2: is the first official <laughs> demon of song reference on the Elden Ring podcast. I love
1: it. But I was just entering that yeah, what is it arena, about that boss
2: yeah go go What what is my, it about that boss for you the
1: first time you enter and you just see this big frog you're like what's going on here and then all of a sudden <laughs> it opens up its mouth and there's this weird skeleton guy it was just that was just a special moment um my favorite boss to fight might be ruin sentinels i really like how that boss arena is laid out it's you know not the i don't know it's it's just a unique and i love the design of the the sentinels um Yeah, I'm kind of giving you two for each, so I'm gonna give you two for Dark Souls Three.
2: Oh no, no, that's that's cool. Hey, Ruined Sentinels, I like Ruin (laughs) Sentinels too. I like the music. Very underrated part of the OST for Ruin Mm -hmm. Sentinels, in my opinion. But yeah, no, totally cool. Just yeah, screw it, do two, do two. Two.
1: (laughs) And I have actually, in fact, have to for Dark Souls Three because they're tied, and it's got to be Osiris and Gundir. Um. I just love their designs, both their designs. If I had to pick a Gundyr, maybe champion just because it's a little bit more difficult yep. um, and you get the dark arena, it's just pretty epic feeling. Um, but, and then Gale's up there too, but I think Osiris and Gundyr definitely have my heart.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, Osiris is a really popular one and for obvious reasons, like mm-hmm. people just love him, you know, the voice acting, the yeah. music um again like a tragic character right this boss not just this inherently evil maniac but you feel you're kind of you feel a little uncertain during that boss battle don't you like it's a little unsettling right. makes you a little uncomfortable
1: yeah and you see the i don't know if you've seen the, the cut content where he's like you know he's cradling the the baby and they used to have like the actual baby in his yep. hands during the boss. like crazy design and like i don't know for me it's miyazaki's brain at its finest like his mind just creating something total unique
2: oh yeah absolutely and i, I guess we're gonna like we're just slowing down it's the rapid fire q a don't get me wrong but i'm putting on my albert hat a little bit i'm being a little bit of albert i'm being a little bit of tara like mm-hmm. i have to say just because i also love Gundeer and, and champion Gundeer, one of my favorites too one of the most aggressive bosses in all of soulsborne and yep. I just, I love the lore, this idea that he was like, he was also like sought to link the flame, but he like arrived too late. Like, what's the, his like soul description? I think it's like he was greeted by a shrine without a fire and a bell that would not toll. Yeah. So, like, he's, he like failed, right? He, he failed in his mission. And I feel like in that fight with Champion, you can sense it. Like you can sense the gravity. Oh, totally. like, he is angry. He has failed. And now, and, and he's like this arbiter sort of forever destined to like, I mean, that's, that's Udex gundeer yeah, right? Yeah, then he becomes like, forever, Yeah, he's like forever destined to like test the metal of the unkindled who wish to link the flame. But like you get to see him in that moment where he failed. And like he's angry and you're just like some trespasser from another time and he wants to destroy
1: yeah. you. Yeah, and then and, that like, kind of, that darkness then comes out in the second phase of the Udyx fight. You yes. see it manifest into, yeah, the the corruption. Um, yeah, yeah, love. love it is amazing.
2: Yeah, like he, he is going to destroy you, or you are going to destroy him. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen fast. It's so cool, man. So, okay, back to business, though. Back on track. Back to the okay. rapid fire. Okay, this all is right. kind of medium fire, but you know we we're, okay. we're all good here. So, Leland. <laughs> leland if you could in the flesh hang out in any single area or location from any of from software's games where are you choosing to go
1: oh man if i had to hang out someplace in any of the you're hanging games, out right you're not
2: fighting for your life necessarily you're hanging out
1: <sighs> okay i'm thinking you're soaking it up maybe uh fountainhead palace in sekiro then just because it's gorgeous um if I'm just chilling, not worrying about enemies, you've got just like g- gorgeous views. You've got all the water. You can go for a swim. You know, I think, yeah, I think I'm going to go Fountainhead for that one for sure. I dig it.
2: Yeah, absolutely <laughs> a gorgeous area. Absolutely. Leyland. I know you have a soft spot for DS2. Despite some of its issues, I do as well. Mm-hmm. Can you give me in this, you know, not ironically at all, like sincerely, can you give me your elevator pitch for why this game, the only Soulsborne game that Miyazaki did not himself direct, is still worth experiencing
1: and we talked a little bit about this during the stream but fashion souls like there's just something so like a lot of these armor sets are just weird um, you, there's a lot of really cool knight helmets that I think are some of my favorite in the Soul series are um, in the game um the weapons are really interesting like the mastodon great sword is one of the coolest swords i think in souls um so yeah i don't know just for the equipment and some of the designs of yeah armor and weapons and enemies i just think there are a lot of design elements that we wouldn't have wouldn't have even been considered had miyazaki been a part of that team so there's for better or for worse we got a lot of really unique weird designs of things um in dark souls 2 so
2: oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. I, I, great answer man i totally agree like awesome outfits awesome weapons just and unique too like you said like stuff mm-hmm. you just won't find in the other games the last run of ds2 i did i was playing with the warp sword I was just i was like wrecking mm-hmm. guys i was like this is awesome like mm-hmm. i love this sword um yeah it's 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 really really fun in that way Um, Despite its issues, it's uh, still going to be a good time. And yeah, Fashion Souls, come on. Can't argue with Fashion Souls, right?
3: Absolutely.
2: Leland, you're trapped on a desert island. No food, no drinkable water, no hope of rescue. For reasons unknown, the only resources you have are a solar-powered television set, a console, and a copy of your very favorite Dark Souls 3. This is your version. Of riding off into the sunset. This is the last playthrough of your favorite oh game that you will ever do. Generally speaking, can you tell me what kind of character build you're going to play with? What your primary weapon of choice will be, and the why? We got to have the why on this one.
1: Okay, so I think I've got it already off the top of my head. We're doing we're doing a strength build, but it's not going to be optimized because we're just going to use a claymore. Not not even infused. We're just going claymore, just regular claymore, uninfused. Um, just because that's I think what I did for my first playthrough. I went straight sword into Eerothil straight sword, and then I came around to Claymore, and Claymore is just that's that's my baby. Like that's that's my weapon in Dark Souls 3 is the Claymore. And I know it's kind of generic, but I feel like my last hurrah with Dark Souls 3, I I just couldn't do it with anything but a Claymore, just a plain old Claymore, um, but strength heavy on the stats. So, yeah, I think I that's it. that's kind of the build. And then for the aesthetics, um, I don't know. Maybe I would use... Um, I'd use parts of maybe Lorien's set. Um, Ooh. Maybe I love um, Henri's set, the... Mm. is that the mm-hmm. elite knight the elite knight set with claymore just makes sense so yeah a knight with a claymore
2: <laughs> i feel like this is a tried, this might be a candidate true. for a make up a souls guy tweet souls guy on a deserted <laughs> island who's playing as a strength build with a claymore you know <laughs>
1: Definitely, no, dude. Definitely.
2: I dig it because there's there's a purity to that, right? Like yeah, you are just running through, you are leveling strength, out. and you are wrecking guys with a the claymore. There's a purity yeah. to that, and yeah, I yeah, there's I love a
1: purity it. to it, and it's like a you know trip down memory lane for one last hurrah. Got my trusty claymore in hand, like you know couldn't couldn't go out with anything else.
2: No, I love <laughs> it. Well, and hey, like we we see a sort of claymore esque sword in the Elden Ring trailer too, right? The, yeah, the sword yep. that's harnessed is wheeling like. Definitely it's great kind of sword. Miyazaki telling us. I think he's. I think he might agree with you. He's like, "Hey, this is cool for yeah. a reason. We <laughs> play with these kind of swords for a reason. It's fun,
1: exactly." Heck okay. Yeah.
2: So Leland, I know we. I know we talked about this. I know you're an you're an Xbox fan, and hey, that's cool. I own Xbox mm-hmm. consoles too. Um, but there's two very important reasons why From Software fans need a PS5 right now: Bloodborne uh, and yeah. the glorious Demon Souls remake. So Leland. As you yeah. know, the Terra Pops rapid fire Q&A can get a little challenging versus questioning sometimes. When possible, are you going to double dip cross over to the dark side and gift yourself a PS5?
1: Oh man, I so so hope hope to one day. I mean, realistically, We're I'm talking up, We're, not talking We're talking eventually. We're not talking about. We're talking eventually. eventually. I at 100%, I almost like have to because I know for sure I'm going to play through bloodborne and demon souls at one point in my life and then i'll probably then need to play the remake which is exclusively on ps5 so might as well just make the investment one day and pull the trigger and get the ps5
2: boy! all right <laughs> leland I know there's so much to look forward to in Elden Ring, right? We were were talking about this during the whole podcast. Online PvE groups, the 100 weapon skills, new boss battles, exploring the open world, customizing your character build. But what single game element are you most anticipating and why? Like controller in hand for the first time, running into the world. What can you not wait for? But try to be as specific as you can be
1: as specific as I can be. Well, I think much like most people, it's going to be new to be mounted on a horse in a Souls-like game. So definitely taking Yakul for a spin. And if I had to pick an area, if we're going to get specific, if I had to pick an area to go to with Yakul, jumping back into the trailer, marked at i think it's 35 we Mm. see let me see if i can get there
2: 35 seconds is where it opens up into with that golden sky is that the part you're talking about
1: yeah with with like the volcano and the crag right there um that would be i think i'm gonna ride yakul over to the volcano and check that out see if i can uh See if I can find a dragon or something over there. So I think that's probably my main goal once I get into the world. Hop on Yakul, cool, start heading in that direction.
2: I dig it. I dig it. Do you think that big boy, that big dragon we see in the trailer, does he live in here? Does is he living in this world? Is there a chance? I
1: feel like it just it just feels right. It just makes sense that something's
2: this, in there, right?
1: Something's, something's in there. Something's in there. Something big is in there. So, um. Yeah. I'm just going to say, yeah, that's, that's the dragon's home right there. I think that's where we're going to fight him,
2: And that's where you're going first. You're not messing around. Yeah,
1: Not messing around. You're going dragon
2: hunting. (laughs) Probably with a big old claymore. Yeah. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, Leland, the last softball, Albert kind of already hit on this. I ask everybody, will you come back on the Elden Ring podcast?
1: Absolutely. It's been so much fun talking to you and Albert. Um, yeah, Un- unquestionably, absolutely. Anytime and every time. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Oh, absolutely, dude. Our our pleasure. And I mean, like we always say, like, we're, I mean, Albert and I feel like the Soulsborn community, you know, it sometimes can get a bad rap. But in our experiences, I feel like it's a pretty cool community, a lot of diverse people. Um, a lot of generous people, a lot of cool people. And we're just trying to make this like a treehousey community podcast, like bringing on artists, speedrunners, combat specialists, casual players, just any- anybody. Like it doesn't matter. We just want to get different people's perspectives, talk about the trailer, talk about From Software, just hang out, have fun. And like you fit in beautifully to that. So this was awesome. This was a good time. And like Albert said, man, you are welcome back anytime. Uh, to hang out, to co-host, whatever you want. Um, and we'll definitely, definitely, definitely have to have an episode where you come back after you get your hands on the game for the first time. Just a download, just a Leland download. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have many a thought <laughs> on my my first experiences with Elden Ring. So right. I will be well, so excited to share it with, with you guys, for sure.
2: Absolutely. And man, can you just... Tell for the listeners or the viewers of the YouTube version, just all of your different platforms, the best way people can find you and connect with you online and what you're doing.
1: Yeah. So right now um, the best way of keeping up with me is probably my Twitter. I typically post when I'm streaming um, there and it's just the shiny cherim. And yeah, Twitch is kind of where I'm at as far as content creation goes right now. Um, doing a lot of streams dark souls um again some pokemon stuff but we'll definitely be doing a lot of elden ring once that drops over on twitch so yeah right now it's twitch and twitter shiny
2: awesome awesome and can i ask what your plans are when elden ring comes out like are you gonna are you gonna go on like which day one, do you want to have it, you know, play it offline for like a week or two? Like, do you have any, have you thought about that? Like any plans for yeah, Twitch? I have,
1: I've had a lot of thoughts and I kind of go back and forth as to whether I want to be, you know, my first experience to be just me with the game. Um, But I I feel like I probably should just stream my first impressions, whether that be for the first several hours and then right. chances are I'll probably go offline and just really enjoy you know mm-hmm. the full game to myself maybe pop in and do like some pvp stuff in better known areas to avoid spoiling people um but yeah I, I don't know right now planning on streaming my first impressions and then yeah really kind of delving into it for myself right so.
2: right and leland are you on like patreon or anything like that or can people like tip you on twitch or like how can people support you
1: yeah, I'm right doing. right now the main way of supporting me is even just dropping a follow on Twitch. Um yeah. that means the world to me. Um obviously donations there are great. Um but yeah, just drop a follow on Twitch, come say hi on stream, like yeah, that's 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 what I love most is just connecting with people um through you know a shared love of of games, you know? So yeah, just drop me a follow. Uh, it's very, very appreciated.
2: Well, and man, you have this really, and I you know, I don't say that to blow smoke at you, but you have this really nice, chill, relaxed, like friendly personality, which I feel like is not, I mean, not to say that everybody on Twitch is like rude. That's obviously not the case, but like, mm-hmm. you know, there is a stereotype of the, you know, the cliched Twitch streamer, right? The, the, the person on Twitch playing games, they're supposed to behave a certain way and talk a certain way and say certain things and do certain things. Right. And I think your stream is really refreshing because like the first time I think, the first stream i checked out of it, it was like the on demand version i don't think you were live but it was mm-hmm. um one of your you know many wind waker mm-hmm. clips yeah yeah and uh, like you're just clearly your authentic self like you're just hanging out you're playing the games you're laid back did i maybe see did i maybe pick up on you being like a whiskey connoisseur and you're enjoying some whiskey during your <laughs> streams or am i am i, yeah,
1: am right I on that? I, yeah absolutely um okay. a big part of yeah i don't know i i'm really big into cocktail culture so i'm constantly making different drinks that are either themed around a shiny hunt or oh my god that's amazing once once elden ring drops i'm almost certainly going to be making some elden ring inspired cocktails that i'll be you know enjoying while streaming so yeah yeah come come on by you know sip some bourbon or whatever you (laughs) whatever your fancy is and uh that's awesome. Yeah, Leland, just, we uh, need
2: like, we need you making like original, which you're, you're speaking my language, man. Cause I, I love <laughs> spirits and like classic cocktails and stuff too. We need like Leland Elden Ring themed cocktail recipes. I want like a Manhattan. I want like, I want yes. themed cocktails, The yes, many already the know. martini, like, like just <laughs> go crazy with it.
1: Absolutely, man. I a hundred percent it's going down. But is that like,
2: I guess that's like part of your vibe though, right? Like when you're streaming, like it's almost like you're just hanging out or something. It's like, you're going out to like, you know, get a drink with like your friends or something. Like you're just kicking back, playing, like chilling. It's, it's it's uh, a really good way
1: of putting it. Yeah. I definitely like to just chat with people can really try to connect with people. I've made some really good friends, you know, just in the short amount of time that I've been streaming, made some really good friends um, just on Twitch, just hanging out, having a good time enjoying a cocktail here and there and yeah, just for, for the love of gaming and hanging out with people. That's what it's all about.
2: Right. Right on, man. Well, that's, that's a great note. I think we'll wrap on that. I'll do, um, you can hang out for a second. Um, but I'll just sign off for now. Um, we miss you, Albert. We hope everything's going smoothly. And what we really hope Is that you come back and hit the stop and save record button when you're done (laughs) taking care of your business because we would hate 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 to lose (laughs) this but albert you're the master of admin everybody knows this you have my total faith hope you're cool man hope everything's well i think we did okay leland i think we you know i think we brought it home i think i think we did a pretty good job but dude thanks so much for coming on the podcast this was really fun thanks To our tarnished listeners coming in again, episode ten. We're actually recording episode eleven here pretty shortly, and it's going to be it's going to be a really fun episode. I don't know that Lee or uh, Albert has revealed who our guest is. All I'll say is that translation's involved, so it's going to be our first Elden Ring podcast episode with translation. So
1: that's really I'm excited
2: about it. The person we're having super cool. Uh, the work they're putting together is super cool. So I'm just excited to put the spotlight on them. And it's going to be like a fun little experiment, you know, doing a little bit of translation, like more than one language going on in the podcast. I think it'll be super cool. And it's like the exactly, you know, the kind of thing we're trying to do with the podcast. So stay posted for that. That's going to be episode 11. But this was episode 10 with Leland, aka Shiny Cherim. Leland, thanks so much, man. And you're definitely going to be back. You're going to be back with us.
1: So, thank you, Tara. It's been, uh, it's just been so much fun chatting with you and Albert about Elden Rings. Yeah. Everyone's amped. And yeah, just thank you so much for having me. Can't wait to come back on and discuss in more detail um, sometime soon, for sure.
2: Likewise. Absolutely, dude. Well, thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will catch you next time. Okay, hey All man. Right. I, yeah, yeah I, I'm not sure. Sorry that Albert had to uh, jump away.
1: Yeah, no worries. Um,
2: but, uh, I'm guessing. Yeah, something must have. Something must have just. Something must up. have come up. Yeah, he he looked at his phone and he was like, "Oh, it's a family thing. I think it might be a while." And then he like ran off. So um, yeah. hopefully everything's good. But um, I'm probably going to leave my computer on for a little while longer just to see if he hops okay. back on and everything um sure. I, don't, I don't think there will be any issues uh with like the recording or anything like that i'm sure like he's plugged in it'll be all good but uh, okay yeah, man, super fun i appreciate it when it's like these podcasts are long so i appreciate you making the time taking the time
1: hanging out yeah of course dude it's been like i said it's been super fun um but yeah i uh i guess till next time yeah um Yeah, (laughs) real quick. Oh yeah, I'm just curious. Why? Why no face cam yet? Is it something you're you're considering, or you just like the idea of no face involved?
2: Yeah, it's you know honestly, it's like more of a like off you know kind of in like an offline way like this. Like I was like if we're you know talking or like before a podcast, I'll usually go camera, but it's more of just like sort of a privacy thing. Like yeah, I'm uh. I'm a writer, I'm a actually a sponsored athlete in Colorado, and like oh, cool. my, my name is just attached to like a lot of other projects and stuff. And when I decided to start a channel, I just felt like I didn't want people to like, I don't know, I just, I liked the idea of it like sort of standing on its own, you know, like existing, not yeah. like I'm some famous entity, but like, I just liked the idea of it kind of existing in a vacuum. Um, And then it has just a little bit to do with my version of like, I don't know, like YouTube influencer culture. like I didn't want myself (laughs) in thumbnails, you know, making faces and and all of that. So it's kind of like, you know, for like various reasons, I feel like I'm just going to like have the whatever I'm doing sort of stand on its own um, and do what I do off cam. But I don't know. I mean, maybe at some point if I hit some like subscriber milestone or something. Yeah. I'll do like a loathsome like face reveal Face, face reveal yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's but,
1: cool I uh, totally I, I totally respect that. And like it's something I totally get too. Like um for I, I have some music projects that I've been working on for a long time that, hmm. you know, never put a face or name to just release them under, you know, just a, it's a different project. It's you know oh, yeah, yeah. don't don't want to put a face to it or so I totally get it. Like yeah, it make it makes sense for certain projects, hundred percent. And yeah, uh, that's what yeah. I was—that's
2: kind of what I was thinking. It was like I started my channel. I actually only started my channel in like the last year, um, and it was just a totally like on a whim thing. Like I didn't have many expectations for it, but um, yeah, I get that. I get that question sometimes, and it's like people are kind of surprised that I don't go on camera. But um, yeah, I don't know. It might change. It might not. Probably won't. Mm. But like. I don't know. I like like just a little air of mystery, I guess. Too. Yeah.
1: No, it's, it's cool for sure. <laughs>
2: but, uh, um, but yeah, dude, glad, glad we connected though. Uh I, Like, I mean, when I said you're, you're a really cool, genuine guy, so we're, <laughs> we're glad to have roped you in. I'm glad we, we connected online and yeah, I would have never guessed you were a big dark souls guy. So it's yeah, awesome. I
1: know, right. It, I'm, it all. Just I'm glad I got to
2: drop into your stream and seeing you play. And like, um I think that's cool too, because I actually think, I, I don't know that the community is like, uh, I don't wanna say the community isn't welcoming to this, but I think it's hard in my personal opinion, if you're not like a runner or something to stream those yeah. games or to put no, any yeah. footage of those games online. It, it's not like anybody's coming out and like making fun of you for doing it, right. but just in your head, it feels like, I don't know, like, am I good enough to do this or something? Yeah. And I, And I think that's stupid. I don't think that should be the case at all. Right. So I think it's super cool that, like, you're not a runner, but you obviously know and love these games really well, and it's just like, why wouldn't I play them on my stream too?
1: Exactly, and that's something I sh- I also struggled with for a long time. It's why I didn't immediately start streaming Dark Souls, even though I've been playing it, you know, for years. Um, It was, yeah, that whole idea of, like, oh, the people who are playing this game right now are... um they're running it they're doing speed runs they've got a huge following for doing speed runs and that kind of thing um and yeah there was this hesitation of like i'm you know who's gonna even care about me doing whatever deprived run or whatever and then i was just like well it doesn't matter what matters is i'm just playing this game this is the game that i love like of course this is what i'm going to stream you know right
2: Right. Yeah. So it's like it's you you thought about it, but you didn't overthink it. And it's like like screw it. I'm just like fuck it. I'm just gonna get on and
1: just gonna do it.
2: I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And I and and, dude, I think that's so cool because I actually wish there were more people just casually playing these games online. Like I I think that would be a good thing. Like just it's like, hey, I'm I'm just gonna do a deprived run. I don't know where this is going. I'm just having fun. Here we go. Because more people can look at that stream and be like, oh, this looks fun. Like, I think I could do this. Whereas if you just see, like, a GDQ run or something of, like, Dark Souls 3, it's like, oh, this is prohibitively difficult. Right. I don't even belong in this right. space. And that's not right. the case. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And even with, yeah, like, with PvP, a lot of the people that I really like to watch play PvP, um, they tend to have a welcoming attitude towards mm-hmm. people and, like, you know, in matches play against people who are obviously not super well versed in the meta and they'll still be respectful and uh, i think that's it's encouraging to see that there's people like that in even in those realms of hyper competitive dark souls play that you know Mm -hmm. for the most part there's a welcoming community there
2: right yeah and i think anybody who like says otherwise like anybody who behaves you know, otherwise, like, it's like, they're just not a good member of the community because people like, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with Speed Souls. Uh, Speed like Souls, Speed yeah. Souls community, but they're, yeah. I mean, they do like fundraisers and, you know, they'll do like challenge. Oh, runs yeah. and
1: they'll,
2: they'll they'll do fundraisers and they have like a whole discord, discord server where they share. I mean, these are literally the best. Souls born runners in the world, and they just yeah. give away all their secrets. Like, you go yeah. to the Discord, that's you can cool. join, there's no gate. Like, you could go on yeah. right now and just join Speed Souls Discord and just start combing through and chatting with yeah. people. And that's so it's like when the best speed runners in the world behave yeah, that like way. Like, anybody who's aggressive and gatekeeping, like, that's not how it is. Yeah. So. Like, it,
1: like, my, my mind immediately went to Dist, you know, Dist 2. He dropped a a video just the other day um about a skip that um yeah this new DS2 new dragon stone skip for all bosses speedrun and he's like huge he's one of my favorite souls runners let me drop the link for you oh, yeah, in yeah. the chat here um but he's like hey here's this like really cool skip for people who are able to now get this game going at 60 fps Like, I just figured it out. Here you go. Like,
2: (laughs) oh, yeah, this, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. I, I know, I know like of this guy, but I don't think I've ever like seen any of his footage. Um, Yeah. That's so cool seeing like a new skip, but it's July 15th, 2021. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. It's, it's nuts. And yeah, he's a really, you definitely dig his content. He's, he's really fun to watch and he's very knowledgeable and likes to share that knowledge and spread that knowledge. I also um,
2: love the fashion souls here. Like, yeah. get <laughs> yeah, really. enough credit for their fashion. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's more function than, you know, form, but, uh, or rather it's more, yeah, it's more function than form, but still this is, uh, this guy looks ridiculous. Yeah. I'm watching this clip right now. I don't know yeah. what, I know where he is in the game. I don't know what comes of this though. Yeah. I'm guessing uh. I know where he might land. If he can get over this,
1: yeah, I mean, it's a, it is a huge time save, too, because he basically doesn't have to do the whole... He doesn't have to run that DLC area at all. He pretty much right, just right drops right. right into the boss, so... I always
2: loved the uh, aesthetic of this DLC area, too. I just, I think it's so
1: cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, The I think DS2, honestly, did DLC... I shouldn't say the best, because I love... Um, the Ring City. I think the Ring City's Oh yeah. Incredible.
2: Yeah, Ring City's probably like my favorite, but I know what you mean. Like these DLCs really added so much to DS2. Yeah, that, this is an awesome mm-hmm. this is an awesome clip. So that's so you you're into you like you like watching runners die.
1: Yeah, so I I watch a lot of yeah, Disc 2 for speedruns. Um Lobos Jr. does a lot of really mm-hmm. fun challenge runs. And then the Happy Hob does the god run where he played, you know, no hits. Mm. Soulsborne, born Soul- Souls-born Um, But yeah, I'm real big into... Oh, that's awesome, speed dude. That's awesome. Into speedruns of these games. You should zones. check
2: out, if you're into it sometime, you should check out uh, Spacey1. His, I think it was 2019 GDQ. He did... Uh, oh, yeah. He did a DS3 run in about an hour and a half, maybe a little... Maybe a little longer. Um, That one, though, like, if you ever have some time, like, you know, maybe you could, like, have it on the background or even, like, actively watch it in a couple parts because you're enough of a fan of the game. But, like, that is one of my favorite all-time Soulsborne speedruns. And, like him, like, that's not, like, a world record, but he's such a good runner. He explains everything he does. He's constantly, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like sports analogy. Like, he's giving you play-by-play every moment.
1: He's explaining
2: everything he's doing. And if you really appreciate that game and you know the game well, and you like see what he's doing, it's crazy. He is so good at that game. And like that run actually, when I saw I saw that run when he did it, not Mm. in person, but I I watched it. And like, it Mm -hmm. really inspired me to like up my game in DS3. And like, I've done DS3 in just a little over three hours. I've done it in like 302. But like the difference between doing like it's always that 60 to 90 minutes is where like that separates like a competent runner from like the world-class runners being able to shave off like that extra 60 90 minutes it's insane half of it's like menu management like his oh yeah the menuing the
1: menuing's crazy
2: it's crazy like yeah
1: and they're always doing it like like,
2: i'm fast with menus i watch like i watch like spacey do it and it's just like
1: and I would, I would I like. actually
2: love to get him on the podcast. I actually don't even know if he's active anymore, though. Um, oh, yeah. He's I'm not been active because he was, like, one of the core, like, Speed Souls guys, but he's not even really active in the Discord anymore. So I'm kind of wondering if he's maybe fallen off or maybe he's not really running anymore. But, uh, yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm not seeing anything on twitch so I don't even know if he streams or anything like that
2: no and there's like another there's another um video game streamer who has a really similar name like a spacey something like there's there, it's mm. not him and that person is still active so it can be a little bit of, it can be just a right. little bit confusing but uh yeah man Good. you appreciate ds3 you like speedrunning? running sometime watch that whole run it's so cool totally. like, it, like yeah, when you get straight. done watching one- you you like have to go turn on the game like you're just fired up you want to play it and that's almost something that I that's what I love so much about speedrunning running is it's really inspiring like it makes you want to play the game you know it's like watching great basketball players or great you know tennis players or like anything like it's makes you it's like okay like I can't be like Kevin Durant but like I want to like go shoot some hoops mm-hmm. because I'm just fired up and like that's what, yeah. that's always for me so okay yeah. hey I wanted to ask you too I'm, I'm not I'm not going to keep you much longer i was kind of hoping i was kind of hoping we stalled for a minute maybe albert would hop back yeah. on but um i did want to ask really quick i saw that you were uh i saw you're milwaukee are you yeah. are you a basketball fan
1: yeah yeah so obviously finals going yeah. crazy right now and it's cool to see what it's doing for the city like i don't know uh it was interesting going into the finals hearing. You know, like Stephen A just talking absolute shit about Milwaukee and like, I don't want to fucking go to that city, to watch yeah. the finals and like the amount of good it's done for our city is just crazy and it's just super cool to see everyone come together for it.
2: Oh, I bet. I bet. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's been, uh, I, I really thought Phoenix was going to, I'm a huge basketball fan and I, I mm. really thought Phoenix was unbeatable. I kind of felt there for a minute. It's like are they gonna like sweep them or something? Like this seems bad. Yeah, and then like they kind of imploded. Like Booker had a bad game. CP3 had a bad game. Mm -hmm. Bucks locked in. Middleton's doing his thing. Um, I just I saw Milwaukee and I was just like, I don't. I wonder if he's a basketball guy.
1: Yeah. So is game is game five tomorrow? I mean. Um, I
2: think there might be an extra day building because they're going back to Phoenix. Let me actually look because I'm not totally sure. Oh, no, it's tomorrow.
1: Oh, Sam. So is the idea that the last three are in Phoenix? or Are they heading back to Milwaukee? I think
2: it's Phoenix, Milwaukee, Phoenix, if it it were to go seven. So game five is in Phoenix. Game six is Milwaukee, Game seven back in Phoenix, I believe. Gotcha. So, yeah, yeah. I guess tomorrow's game is in Phoenix.
1: And you're rooting for Phoenix?
2: I'm impartial. Um, Who's your team? I'm a Nuggets fan. Um, I live in Colorado. Colorado, yeah. Yeah, I'm a Nuggets fan. And uh, Phoenix is more like I just – I respect Chris Paul, and I'm kind of like – you know, it's like one of those things where it's like he annoyed me for a lot of years, but now he's like getting close to retirement. It's like, oh wait, like maybe I didn't appreciate this Hall of Fame point guard enough, you know? And it's like, yeah, oh, man. maybe he's gonna get a ring. And I I was like really hot on the Bucks. Well, actually, one of my dearest friends um is from like uh Wisconsin originally and he he's a diehard Bucks fan. And we've been talking a lot lately about just how like the Bucks have been like frustrating us and like I'm not a Bucks like a Bucks homer, but I'm, I just like, I'm pissed at Budenhoser. Like, I don't understand what they're doing half the time. Um, I think Charles Barkley even said it on the TNT show one night where he's like the Bucks. he's like, the Bucks are going to win the championship, but they're the most stupid team in the NBA. And I like, <laughs> I kind of felt, I kind of got what he was going for there just a little bit. Um, right. Like I watched them and it's like, wait a minute. Like you guys could be even better than you are. Like you guys could just mm. straight up dominate. Is that how you right. feel at all?
1: Yeah, I, I haven't. I honestly haven't followed uh, this season all that close, to be honest. Um, yeah. So I feel a little bit out of the loop with, you know, where our team's at. Um. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, I love Giannis. Like, obviously, he's the star of yeah. our team. Um. But yeah, we. I mean, overall, we've got a really strong roster and. I don't know. I'm just happy to happy to see us finally, finally here.
2: Yeah, yeah. What is it? They they said like 50 years or something.
1: It's been a long time.
2: Yeah, really long, long time, time. Which that's always fun when it's like two teams that haven't won a championship or haven't in like forever, and it's like, well, somebody's going to be really happy at the end of this. Some city is going to be really happy at the end right. of this. So, um, yeah, yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah. My my like ride or die sports team is the minnesota vikings so oh really i don't get a lot of uh celebration (laughs) at the end of any season we haven't won a single super bowl um but yeah i was my my dad grew up in minneapolis so i was basically bred into the vikings like i'm a vikings fan but lived was born in chicago so i'm a bulls fan i (laughs) now now i'm more so a bucks fan i've kind of grown into being a bucks fan um and then i guess the brewers are kind of like my home home team sure i'm kind of all over the midwest with my allegiances but no
2: i I I get it. Well, I mean, Chicago is like what ni- ninety minutes away from Milwaukee. Like that's so close. Yeah, it's
1: super close.
2: I'm sure there's Bulls fans in Milwaukee and like vice. Yeah, fans, you know? that's, that's totally yeah. a thing. I actually don't. I was gonna say vice versa. I actually don't know how many Bucks fans are in Chicago, but there's definitely, yeah. <laughs> there's <laughs> right, definitely yeah. Bulls fans though. You know, Bulls fans are a pretty crazy breed. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I, I get it. I grew up in the Midwest and like I grew up as a Cavs fan, and like. Oh, cool. you, Steelers and stuff. So it's like I and then moved and so yeah, I get it. I have like this I dragging around like this weird baggage, like all these teams that I've accumulated right over the years. But um yeah, cool dude.
1: Yep. Yep, yep. But yeah, I've also my my grandparents lived out in out in Arizona, so I've always loved like the coyotes and yeah, and the Suns and the Cardinals. I don't know. i feel like a weird Right. Like I don't know. I like Arizona teams, even though it's just my grandparents who lived out there. Just kind of. Do they happens, still live? Like, do
2: you go there, or they're not there anymore?
1: No, they're not there anymore. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, Arizona is
2: pretty, just like inherently amazing. Like the landscapes and just the you know beauty mm-hmm. of the state. Like it's pretty easy to like Arizona. I think.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. And the sports teams, they kind of all have like a vibe to them. Like this sort of Southwestern sports teams. I don't know. It's kind yeah. of interesting.
1: Like the coyotes, their jerseys, yeah. their designs just so sick. Like, it's yeah. hard, like, how do you not like coyotes? Yeah. But,
2: that's cool, man. So you're, you're just like, you're a man. You're like a Renaissance man. You said you got music yeah. projects going on. You <laughs> like sports, you like cocktails, yeah. shiny hunting, you're playing dark. like, that's cool. Yeah. man. And that's, that's definitely like how Albert and I are like very very diverse tastes and all kinds of things and, um, like games. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just games alone. So.
1: Yeah. It's a, I like obviously found you guys through the Eldering podcast, but then going on to find like all the million other podcasts that Albert has is like, <laughs> it's cool. Like he, it's, it's just really cool that he has so much passion for so many different like outlets in his life. And I don't know. I, I just love it.
2: Yeah, Albert's, uh, which is also it's hilarious that we're talking about Albert and conceivably, hypothetically, Albert is going to come back to his computer, stop <laughs> recording, and then he's going to have all I'm gonna this, watch video. this. Yeah, he's going to have this at the end, which I kind of love. It's like we're talking about like the NBA, and it's just like yeah. you know, Albert. Lester, he's going to like he's just like, what is this? But I bet he's going to enjoy it actually. So Albert, if you're listening to this, you know. but yeah, hopefully,
1: I mean, yeah, Albert in- actually told in-
2: he he actually um, Albert has OCD. And apparently at one point it was, um and he, you know, speaks about it pretty openly. Mm. Um, and apparently at one point it was, you know, harder to manage. And then over the years, he's like learned a lot of ways to like better manage it. Um, and he, that's what he's told me that like these days his OCD manifests in the form of like benign admin. Like he's just, he likes admin. He <laughs> likes lists. He benign likes admin. channels. He likes like, yeah. so. it's like he, you know, that's just sort. of, I think the way that he sort of channels it, and he, yeah, that's um, awesome. yeah, he does all he does all kinds of podcasts. And the way that he, I think, is sort of put it is like he just sees like where he gets a heat signature. Like
1: mm-hmm. he
2: has his main channel, and he does podcasts on pretty much any topic that he likes or that he can get guests for. And then if that turns into something, that kind of becomes its own platform. Um, yeah, so yeah, smart. I mean, it's it's cool.
1: Yeah, and then he, we were just chatting on twitter a bit and i mentioned because he, he referenced uh, black books on one episode um and he was like dude i have a black books podcast all lined <laughs> Your up you're, co- you're coming on for that too and i was like oh my god
2: <laughs> yeah we're, he's, we're like, can- can- he's ju- got speaks. a podcast. i mean that's even become a joke on the podcast like i think on the zozuba episode there was a moment where he was like he was like tara like we have like, what do we have for that? Like as Zuzuba mentioned something, like, <laughs> what do we have for that? And that was like a disassociative mental disorder. Um, but no, it's a podcast. We have a podcast for everything. Um, I actually think I think Albert would be totally on board with this. And he does like he, and he also does like he's just a and I'm not saying this because he'll probably listen to this later. Oh my god, there he is. There he is. There he is. I knew what's was gonna happen. I knew yeah. what's gonna happen. His <laughs> <And laughs> ears were it. burning. I was about to give him a compliment, and here he is. That's great okay. Um love and lie to you. Um,
0: some really crazy stuff has happened. So I have to just love you and leave you, okay? But love and okay. light to you guys. Uh yeah, I yeah. to edit the, the latter half of this. So good vibes, okay?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, are you are you powering down it's, saving it? Yeah, that's save it up that's totally fine we
2: were shooting the shit we just finished like 10 minutes ago
0: i fucking love you guys you know that giant hugs yeah
1: giant hugs love you guys thank you for having me on
0: take it easy you legends have a good one boy
1: have a good night
2: I'm going to rattle off rapid fire my top 20 favorite make up a soul's guy tweets. And trust (laughs) me, I could have done my top 50. That's how good this account is. Let's do it. And these tweets, the offense, the offenses, they do range from misdemeanors to full blown felonies, but everyone is guilty of embodying at least one of these tweets at some point. And if you can't laugh at them, I hate to break it to you, but you're probably the butt of the joke because this is just some good natured fun. So that being said, Albert, can I ask you to give me a jazzy little transition number as we cap off my hijacking with Terrapop's top 20 make up a soul's guy tweets.
0: Top 20 make up a soul's guy tweets. Terrapop's top 20 make up a soul's guy tweets. Terrapop's top 20
2: make up a soul's guy tweets. Go. Number 20. Soul's guy who reminds you that Dark Souls 2 is the worst in the series. Number 19. Soul's guy who thinks Dex users are scum. Number 18. Soul's guy who plays the game without rolling and complains. Number 17. Soul's guy who tells you the boss isn't even that hard. Number 16. Soul's guy who points down in PVP. Number 15. Soul's guy who always falls for shortcut ahead. Number 14. Souls guy who knows Bloodborne is coming to PC. Number 13, Souls guy who is just trying to help the streamer who didn't ask. Number 12, <laughs> Souls guy who says Kingsfield is his favorite Souls game. Number 11, Souls guy who cosplays as bosses during invasions but gets killed easily. Number 10, Souls guy who always gets a kick out of Lotric. And I hate to say it, but this was Kevin, a.k.a. Zozuba, our man, on episode 8. Big shout out That's to right. Zuzuba. That's right. Um, okay. Number 9, a Souls guy who says a hunter must hunt.
3: <laughs> Number
2: 8, Souls guy who goes to Dark Souls streams to get mad at people's builds. Number 7, Souls guy who unironically uses the wooden shield in Bloodborne. <laughs> number six souls guy who still calls blight town fps town even though they play dark souls remastered number five souls guy who calls games with dodge with a dodge roll souls legs. and this yeah, tweet wait. is accompanied by a link to a pretty cringy ign article about the 10 best souls like games number four souls guy who wrote an article about how dirty the maiden in black's feet are and this tweet is accompanied by, you guessed it, a link to an article on thegamer.com about, yep, how dirty the Maiden and Black's feet are in the Demon Souls remake. <laughs> number three, Souls guy who says Dark Souls 2 is a great game, but a bad Souls game. Number two, Souls guy who makes up Bloodborne rumors to farm engagement. And Terra Pop's number one favorite, make up a Souls guy tweet, Souls guy who tells you to get good in 2021. That's yeah. it. Cue the house band. <laughs>
0: That's fucking go. I love it. Fucking dig it. And what
2: I love about this guy is he. I think he even has a couple tweets where it's like Souls guy who makes an account making fun of other Souls guys. Like it's totally (laughs) self parody, (laughs) self awareness. Like
0: I fucking love it, dude. I love it. And 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 what it speaks to is that um you know uh the culture like Souls Soul it's there's a cult there's a definite culture to it you know of of being. Uh, your access point into these games, um, and uh, Leyland, uh, uh, Tara, and I have had uh, talks behind the scenes about certain figures. we have again. We're going to play it classy and not mention names that uh, uh, you know run the gamut between being very kindred. But let's just say, uh, I would say there is a not insignificant kind of area of, of the sort of Souls community that does like. You know, unlike this amazing, very self-aware person, like they can't take a joke and can't take a hint, and they do double down and they embody those really negativistic and deleterious, like like not positive um, aspects of the community. Um, my thing always is is Tara. It's in his name; he stays grounded, right? Like that's great for me. It is. Uh, I never lose sight of just the void of just like. But we're all gonna die. Like why? Why are we? Why are we being? all caught up and like get good and all of that exclusionary gatekeeping bullshit it's like like be kind like th- that should always come first before getting any kind of opinion out or let's just say um you know making a certain area uh, or a certain kind of gamer feel excluded or feel like they're being misrepresented and so uh yeah it's very much as you know leland like the good vibes mm-hmm. like it's so easy to just stay in that sphere because you, you physically viscerally recognize when you're entering like heavy judgment filled, weird territory. Um, and I love that this person is turning that around and making it something funny and humorous. And I, I find that to be the healthiest way is to to pivot on it. That mm-hmm. boggart thing of like laughing at it and then moving on back into good vibes. So Tara, like that's such an important thing to share on the show. Thank you.
2: Yeah, and dude, I, I totally agree. And I, I think the aggressive get good guys make up a pretty vocal minority mm. of the Soulsborne community. And And in my 10 years of engaging with these games and other people in the community, most people are awesome. Like if you ever go to... You know the pump a rum or summon soul or uh, summon sign subreddits. Okay. Like there are so I'm many insane. cool people. Yeah, like they're mm-hmm. willing to give you tips, drop what they're doing to help you beat a boss. You know, trade a hard to come by item with you. Like most people are cool, welcoming, yeah. inclusive, Uh and and yeah, we certainly try to foster that here on the
3: podcast. We certainly do.